There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and the boys are back in town. We've got Robbie, we've got Peaches, we've got Chris, but we also have... Our Borat joke's still cool. My wife, uh, Bailey's here. Uh, Bailey, say hi to the boys and everyone. Hi to the boys and everyone. <laughs> to all the boys I've loved. Uh... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? How you guys feeling on this beautiful morning of day, which we will not say because it's a mystery. Ooh, Ooh nobody knows what day it is. Or mystery. <laughs> it's the mystery show. It's like 5 a.m. on Friday. I don't understand the confusion. We record this right after the show drops. <laughs> These are our very first impressions. Yeah, we all stay up till 3 a.m. so that we can catch the Pacific time drop of WandaVision. We watch it twice in a row and then we record. 5 a.m. Friday morning. I'm going to throw out there, I've said this before, I think that they should not drop the show at Midnight Pacific. I think that they should drop these shows Friday evening. Correct. Ooh. Yeah, like 6 p.m. You are correct. Yeah. No, they, yeah, they Sound could, Lord is right. They could still base it on Pacific time if they wanted, um, but you have to go all day being wary of spoilers. Uh, like how I thought I was spoiled on this episode because I saw Grim Reaper trending and it turned out to be about a certain senator. <laughs> I didn't get spoiled, <laughs> but my co majority leader. <laughs> I didn't get spoiled, but my coworkers were completely beside themselves that I didn't wake up to watch it before going to work. It's like, Come on, guys, have some that's chill. What, that's what Danny does, and I don't understand. Maybe his work schedule is different. I don't know what he works like on Fridays, but like I work a, like a normal office hours job, and I would not wake up. First of all, I can't watch this without Angela. Uh, it would not be fair. Uh, and she's not going to want to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch a TV show. Angela, she it's your fault. That's what I just she, heard. No, no. Hey, that's um, hey, that should be on next week. I also don't want to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch a TV show. I don't because... think I'd enjoy it as much after yeah. waking up at three in the morning and then yeah. going back to bed immediately. I, after. I agree. I can't imagine being coherent enough to understand what's going on in a series, especially this one that is already so confusing. Like there are <laughs> some imagine? shows that work better when it's late at night and you're tired, like Space Ghost Coast to Coast. You watch that in the daytime, it's all right, fine. If you watch it at 11.30 at night, at midnight, it's hilarious. Yeah, it just it just hits just right when the yeah. uh, next day is about to start. Yeah, exactly. But but this this show, I I don't know. Like I feel like I just go to bed and not be able to sleep because my brain would be like, but especially this episode where I was so distraught at what I just watched that I wouldn't have slept. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting no. is that over the course of like some x amount of years, I don't. I don't actually know how many because this is just a thought and not research. Like we've watched midnight premieres of movies go from Fridays at midnight to like Thursdays at midnight to like Thursdays right. at 6 p.m. And some cases right. I've even seen them at like Wednesday on Wednesdays at like nine. 
I and wonder if yeah, that movie didn't come out on Friday. That movie came out on Wednesday. Yeah. And can I can I say I'm so glad that that happened because it as the as they got earlier, it happened as I was getting older and older and less tolerant for staying up late. <laughs> you know, by the time like Avengers was coming out at seven o'clock the night before, I'm like, good, I'm an old man. I don't want to. So, I don't want to go to bed. Especially at when 4 it's a three and a half hour movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so what's the last? That's fine. Watched at midnight. Then what was the last midnight premiere y'all saw? The last actual oh my midnight god. premiere I saw. Oh god! Like actually Harry Potter, at midnight. Harry Potter um, seven point five. Okay. Might be Dark Knight Rises. You went to a we- midnight premiere of that. I think I think yeah. I might be in the same boat, Robbie, because I watched. They did at AMC. They did the trilogy thing. Yep. So we started Batman yeah. Begins at six. Yep, and then a Dark whole, Knight Rises. A whole bunch of I knew like half of the people in the theater that day. Yeah. I feel like I did more midnight video game releases than I did midnight movies. Like yeah. I remember going midnight. I went I went midnight to go pick up Bioshock Infinite, and Same. then I played it all night until I beat the game. And then I played it again. Not saying one of my favorite. <laughs> one of my favorite gaming experiences of my life was getting and and friend of the show Patrick's going to be mad when I say positive things here. Was getting Smash Brothers Brawl at midnight and coming home with like a dozen friends and just staying up until eight in the morning playing playing brawl, taking turns. Um, <laughs> you guys know what that sound means? It means we got an email. <laughs> I oh, do yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our classic That's email sound. Obviously, <laughs> everyone, everyone knows that bit. Is that what happens at baseball games? That sound plays and everyone yes. checks their phone to see, like, I got email. <laughs> I thought it was going to be breaking news. My bad. I don't have all our all our, all our sounds down. Breaking news. We got an email. <laughs> breaking news would be Waluigi. Uh, that's oh, true. that's true. It's Waluigi. Wow. Uh, guys, we got a we got an email, so let's read it here on the air. It's a, a friend of the show, Steph, uh, wrote in and said, "Robbie told me to email the podcast anytime I disagree with Eduardo." Uh, so off to a great start. Uh, I've only just started listening to your podcast, but I really enjoy it. Thank you. That being said, Eduardo is dead wrong. All right. <laughs> In regards to the mystery elements of the show being somehow unsatisfying. Part of what makes the show great is that it's mixing classic and very episodic sitcom storytelling with modern serialized storytelling. Each episode contains a discrete plot that makes an excellent episode of television entirely on its own. And then, in addition to that, it's slowly telling the story of why. For what it's worth, I haven't read uh, any comics remotely related to this and didn't understand any of the clues besides recognizing the Stark names of the toaster and the Hydra symbol on the watch. The serialized parts aren't supposed to add up yet, and I think that a great many of what the team is reading You're as clues the are, are there to make the geeks geek but aren't going to be necessary to understanding the underlying plot. The genius is that the episodic storyline uh, story is enjoyable and satisfying, and the slow but serialized elements are the icing on the cake. You know... It's fun that we got this up ep- this email just before this episode dropped because I think this episode debunks half this email. But let's just say, Steph, um, I understand your point. Uh, I disagree with your point. But you know what? If I riled you up enough to send an email, then I'm doing my job. 
Okay, J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Eduardo loves emails. That's what the E stands for. <laughs> email Eduardo. Yeah, so everybody email Eduardo. A, B, C, D, email Eduardo. <laughs> uh, you read the P.S.? P.S. If a scene isn't enjoyable in a boring conference room, the issue is the writing, not the setting. Just saying, don't blame the helicarrier. Oh. No, I yes! disagree with that. I disagree with that too because the scene is boring half of because it's in the, the helicarrier. That's like what makes it boring to me. The acting isn't boring. I think that actors are doing a great job. The setting is boring, which is why I said the setting was boring. I do love a good conference. The helicarrier is awesome. No. Yeah, the Avengers should just be the social network. They should be the same movie. Yeah, they should be in like a... Isn't that basically what Justice League is with Jesse Eisenberg? That's basically the social network if it was a superhero movie. Oh, I forgot to read the most important part. Have a magical day. Aww, thanks, Steph. Thanks, too. Steph. But seriously, Steph, thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it. Um, if anybody else wants to write into the show, you can email us at uh, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to disagree with anyone who's not me, please email into the show. Or Robbie. Robbie's gotten disagreement mail, too. He has gotten disagreement mail, but Robbie has also gotten lots of fan mail. Robbie's got yeah. a lot of... Uh, Robbie is probably our, our breakout Chris, star. This Chris, you and I have some <laughs> catching up to do, man. Nobody, seriously. nobody cares about what we say. I know, man. I'm going to make a burner account and send emails podcast. about peaches. Thank you. I, I We'd appreciate that. Send something mm. about Chris, too. Make it about both of us, actually. Yeah, uh, make it an angry email. That way, they don't feel as good. Um, <laughs> I'm angry about how handsome those two sound. Yeah. <laughs> they sound like perfectly dateable men. I'm not dateable, sorry. I just said Only sound. One of them, then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks, Steph, for writing in. But let's get into the meat of today. Now, Chris, did you read any more uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision stuff? I am working my way through House of M, and because I'm a completionist, I am trying to read the whole event. And I actually went back and kind of skimmed through Avengers Disassembled, which is what leads directly into House of M. Uh, so I'll give you a brief, uh, brief uh, go around of what happened there. It'll actually be brief this time, not like last give time. Give me a. What I lost my mind for twenty minutes. A boxers, yeah, I'll give you a boxers version. It'll be a little bit roomier. Okay, um, so, in Avengers disassembled, uh, the Avengers at this point uh, are now under the purview of the United Nations, and Tony Stark is both Iron Man, the Avenger, and Tony Stark, the de- the Secretary of Defense of the United States. And everyone knows he's Iron Man too. Um, uh, he, his his identity is public by this. Point. Iron Man two, the worst Iron Man. Yes, he's Iron Man two. Uh, well, in this case, he is kind of the worst Iron Man because he stands up in front of the United Nations, sees the delegate from Latveria, and threatens to kill him in front of everybody. And Hank Pym, who's there with him, pulls him aside. And Tony is drunk, and Tony's confused by this because he has not touched a drop of alcohol in years, so something is amiss. Meanwhile, Jack of Hearts, a former Avenger who had died, walks up to the mansion and apologizes and blows up, killing Scott Lang, the Ant-Man. Then Vision crashes into Avengers Mansion after they had activated Code White, which is when they summon everyone who's ever been an Avenger for an emergency situation. Vision crashes in, apologizes, 
barfs out a bunch of Ultrons and dies. And all these Ultrons start attacking. And uh, Carol Danvers... barfs out? I sure did. Ultrons? His his head, like, opens up and all these these balls pop out of his mouth and they hatch into Ultrons. I've seen that. You have, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Barfy Ultron. Uh, And then, while all of this is going on, and then, like, some aliens show up uh, from the Kree Empire, it looks like, and then suddenly Doctor Strange shows up and he's like, Sorry that Hawkeye died. Sorry that Ant-Man died. Uh, sorry that all these people died. Uh, Vision died. Uh, but this isn't happening. This is someone else's doing. And it turns out that Wanda Maximoff has lost her mind uh, because after Agnes, or not Agnes, excuse me, Agatha Harkness had erased her memories of her children from all the bullcrap I told you about last week, Somehow these memories have returned, and she's losing her grip on reality, much like I did, recounting those comics last week. And uh, she's starting to create this world for herself, uh, where she's still with her children, but her magic is affecting things, like bringing back, you know, like Jack of Hearts was never actually there, there weren't really all these Ultrons, but, but she's affecting reality, and... They're like, oh, but she's been studying chaos magic. And Doctor Strange says, there's no such thing as chaos magic. And everyone's like, what? Uh, so the Avengers are now disassembled. Meanwhile, the X-Men in their comics, uh, yeah, their uh, uh, Xavier is trying to rebuild the nation of Genosha, um, which had been destroyed many years ago as a safe haven for mutants. Uh, then Magneto shows up at Avengers Mansion to take his daughter. So he brings her to Genosha. And then this is what leads directly into House of M. And what happens in House of M is Xavier is trying to get Wanda to realize that none of this is actually happening. She never really had... Her children were never really real. This is not reality. And the Avengers and the X-Men team up. Um, some of the... Uh, some of the X-Men are of the of the thought that they need to stop Wanda permanently. Captain America is like, she's an Avenger. We get to make that call, and we are not making that call. Uh, Spider-Man is also there. Um, you know, so, you know, seasonal Avenger. He's there, he's there at this point. Um, so they, so the X-Men and the Avengers go to, uh, go to Genosha. And they, Wanda disappears. Pietro disappears. People are disappearing. And then everyone wakes up in this new reality where mutants are the dominant human species on Earth. And Homo sapiens is the minority, the, uh, the, the oppressed minority. And this is about where I stopped reading because I started getting into some of the tie-in, uh, tie-in books like Incredible Hulk, House of M, Spider-Man, House of M, Fantastic Four. But it's one of those alternate universe stories where everything is different. The world is ruled by the House of Magnus, which is Magneto and Pietro and Wanda. They are sort of the rulers of the world. There are human resistance fighters. Uh, Hulk lives in Australia now with, uh, with Aboriginal people. Uh, the Fantastic Four is made up of Doctor Doom, uh, Doctor oh, Doom's yeah. wife, the Invincible Woman, um, their son... Uh, I forget what his superhero name is, but he's sort of like the Human Torch. Oh, the Inhuman Torch, they call him. And then the It. 
and the it is the thing. But when Reed Richards went into space and had his whole adventure with the cosmic rays, it killed all of them. It did not make them superheroes. It killed all of them, except for Ben Grimm, who turned into what we know as the thing. Um, but he's a little bit more animalistic, and they treat him as a pet, but they, they abuse him and everything, and they call him the It, because like when Doctor Doom found the wreckage, he looks up and goes, "Kill me!" and he does not kill him, and he like puts him in a cage. But Doctor Doom wants to rule. He's a human. He's not a mutant, so he tries to rebel against Magneto. That doesn't go well. Uh, so it's one of those weird alternate reality things. Peter Parker wakes up in bed next to his wife Gwen Stacy. What? Because at this point, he was actually married to MJ in the comics, and Gwen was, you know, dead. So so it's one of those everything-is-different stories. Uh, alternate universe created somehow through the magic of Wanda Maximoff. Scott Summers is married to Emma Frost in this, I think? Yes, I think so, yeah. And, yeah, there, there are a bunch of weird things. Uh, Wolverine is married to Mysterio... Oh, not Mysterio. Mysterio, what? <laughs> now that'd be a wild comic. Whoa. <laughs> Mystique. Mystique. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go back. Go back. Give I me mean... the Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Hugh Jackman love story that I have always I wanted. I would love that. I think a lot of people would Broke back fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, that would be an interesting comic, too. Not gonna lie. Uh, uh, but... Um, but yeah, no, he's married to Mystique, but Wolverine seems to be aware that something is wrong. So, because he's Wolverine, I guess. I don't know, his healing factor. Yeah, his healing meant. factor restores previous realities. Yeah, so, because he wakes up and like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it's uh, weird so that it was him and not someone like Spider-Man, who literally has a sense named after half of his name. Um, yeah, he might detect some weirdness. Yeah. I've never yeah. wondered this before, but shouldn't uh, if that's the case, shouldn't uh, Deadpool also know something's wrong? Like, yes, yeah, true. Yeah, he's he's hyper aware of reality. So yeah, so I'm so I'm still reading through that. I'm hoping to finish that up this week. I didn't have as much time to read this week as I uh, as I had hoped <laughs> for, and by that I mean I ended up playing more video games than I expected this week. Nothing <laughs> so, wrong with that. Free time. Same. I'm this close to being done with Age of Calamity, so I wanted to finish that up. Oh, I need to do uh, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm hoping to read that, and then finally The Vision this week, and then I think my homework will be done. So I'll, uh, I'll fill you in on the rest next week. True. Well, this week, we're going to be talking about Episode 3, Now in Color, written by Megan McDonald and directed by Matt Shackman. In full color, we have a lengthy late 60s, early 70s style Wanda in- WandaVision intro. Um, so, Robbie, how about you talk to us about the sitcom influences of this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one, as far as I can tell, and I, I tried to do a little bit of researching to see if there was anything I missed, and I don't think there was. This is not as directly influenced as the last two episodes were. Like, episode one was basically the Dick Van Dyke show, and episode two was basically Bewitched. Um, this one is more like just general late 60s early 70s sitcom influence uh also i don't know if we really discussed this or if we're going to discuss it but through the opening it became really apparent to me that what's going on is they're they are in the same house the house has the same exterior and the same layout what's changing is the um the interior design of the house is what's changing 
now the interior design in this is very very brady bunch like it is it it's absolutely the brady bunch this episode yeah this episode is not the brady bunch but the house is um the repeating uh the the repeating multicolor title sequence in the credits is definitely the mary tyler moore show um that's about where i think the mary tyler moore show uh ends uh, the opening is just vague it's what sitcoms looked like back then the music i'm pretty sure i could not find anyone to confirm but i'm certain the opening title sequence the opening theme song is supposed to be uh heavily inspired by the partridge family um, that's what it sounded like to yes. me yes and then of course you got yeah you get the three by three grid of pictures that's the brady bunch except there's not nine characters in this nine main characters in this show so um yeah uh also related to that related to the title theme am i wrong and and sound lord this is especially something you um or your spouse might pick up on but is each episode being given its own unique title theme and then that theme being played throughout the episode the way as though each episode is its own standalone series they are i i know they're all getting their own theme songs and as you're mentioning it I believe that they are play like that theme then becomes the motif for that episode. That is, uh, so I, I don't think that's something I'd conscious. I, I consciously realized that there were different theme songs, but I don't think I consciously picked up on the fact that it was then used as the score throughout the episode. That is super clever. And I like it a lot. Yeah. They have been adding for those of you who are fans of the music of the show, they have added the first two episode soundtracks to Spotify and uh, by the time you listen to this episode, there's a good chance they might have added the third episode. They might be doing it weekly like they did with the first season of Mandalorian, where they add the soundtrack for the episode of uh, uh, as they air. They, they've they aired them on or they've added it to Spotify on Monday to listen to. So you can check that out. The uh, closing title themes we found out is called Wanda's theme. So that's that's neat. Uh, something I really liked Um that uh, my wife actually pointed out this episode is when they're outside, you can absolutely now tell that they're in front of painted vignettes on a soundstage. Um, I noticed that too. I liked that. And, yeah. And oh, oh, they had AstroTurf just like in the Brady Bunch. The backyard is AstroTurf. Yeah. Um, which is, I'm just going to say it on the show. I hate the Brady Bunch. Like, I don't mean like I don't like it as much as people like it. I genuinely hate the Brady Bunch and find it to be a bad show that is awful to watch. Yeah, it wasn't popular at the time. It's not until like decades later that people were like, "What a great show!" But at the time, it like didn't do well at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't like what, it. When I think of the Brady Bunch, I think of that movie they did about all the the actors as they were filming the Brady Bunch and how they all dated each other, and it was super <laughs> weird. Mm-hmm. What made the Brady Bunch bad? I don't think I've ever seen an it's, episode of it. Like the humor is just really, really lame. Like just really lame. It is not. Um, super corny, but so not like Friends. Like yeah, so that's honestly, I would say it's like Friends, but from its time, like the same sort of thing. But I would also say, I would say that Friends, and I'm gonna anger a lot of people listening to this show. I just, I also hate Friends. I also, Robbie, no, don't steal that from me. I'm trying to get the hate mail. Take it back. But I do like Friends. Is only funny because of the laugh tracks. I do like Friends significantly more than the Brady Bunch because. Friends at least has Chandler Bing. Brady Bunch doesn't even have that. So Chandler Bing um, is great. Yeah, no. It, but Brady Bunch is interesting as a relic of its time. It really is like a time capsule of the yes. 70s. 
uh, in, in its most extreme forms yeah. of like fashion. And a lot of things that I laugh at about the Brady Bunch, when I look back, it's like, do I think it's funny or am I laughing at it? Right. Like the episode where uh, Peter's voice keeps cracking because mm-hmm. he's going through puberty and they end up working it into a song yes. that they sing. Yep. It's time to change. <laughs> um, Friends is actually a really good comp for it, Peaches. Uh, and then also just if, how do you feel about shows that like to like shove a moral lesson down your throat? Uh, it depends on the context because I feel like the good place does that. And I really like the good place. Well, more like moral lessons on like how to be a friend and how to forgive and forget. And, and like, yeah, the, the good place was actual lessons in like, moral philosophy. Yes. So like, when, like a children's show, like correct. out of the no, box. No, correct. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's like, think, okay. I think of full house. Yes. Yeah. yeah every, every show, the third act always ended with, you oh, know, standing there. So yeah. And everyone goes, Time out. the music gets all treacly. Um, um, Boy Meets World was like that, but I liked yeah. Boy Meets World. Yeah, but Boy Meets World stopped being like that after the first season. I think it started like that and yeah. then transitioned into something else. Maybe. But it is. I think it still kind of lived in the show, but well, and, I, and I, even, I know what you're saying. Even The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which I think is a phenomenal, like, top three all-time multicam. Um, maybe even top three might be too low. Um that still had moral lessons within its episodes, but with the Breedy Bunch, it is like layered on thick and straight up in your face. It is. Anyway, I hate it. Um, yeah. Like what okay. to do when you're the middle child and you have yes. a hot older sister. <laughs> your, your hot older sister. I hate that, Robbie. I gotta go. Uh, I, I uh, the Brady Bunch is like one of the most like known yes shows from that time, and like I said, it wasn't popular. Like I don't know if the people from the early seventies want us to think of the Brady Bunch as like <laughs> the show of that time. Yeah, my guess is it caught on with a very specific dynamic that became um, more vocal in their opinions at that point in American history and more uh, obsessed with protecting their own status quo, and the Brady Bunch kind of represented them. Um, I feel that... like you're trying to dance around something, and you should just... <laughs> you can say white people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be spicy. We're trying I to mean, get people four, right four in. Of five of us are white people on this show. I just So I, you can say it. I just know that like All in the Family was seen as like two, two sections of American society. It's like a challenge of... Oh no, they're they're not. They don't love American exceptionalism, and they're not. They're not. And and I think that par- probably some people saw, um, you know, as as stuff like All in the Family came out, they they look back and go, Oh no, we need more wholesome quality like the Brady Bunch. Why didn't we appreciate that when it was on? That's my working theory. Was was. Mash on at the same time was that in the seventies? Is that like seventies into mash? 80s? I think mash is mash was sixties into seventies. Oh, okay, I think because I'm just trying to think of like if. Ma- oh, I'm not gonna look this up now. Uh, While he looks that up, yeah. While he looks that up, I will Probably say not. briefly 
the Mary Tyler Moore show is actually funny, and it would have been great if they did uh, a little bit more Mary Tyler Moore. Well, okay, not necessarily great. This show, doing its homage to the Brady Bunch, is actually fantastic. It's irrelevant that the Brady Bunch was bad because it is a cultural icon. Uh, but Mary Tyler Moore show was hilarious. Also, I was sad that they never went into the restroom to show the bathroom with no toilet, as we discussed on last episode. Okay, so MASH, the book came out in 68, the movie came out in 70, the show ran from 72 to 83. So that is... Which means that MASH and the Brady Bunch were on TV at the yep, same time. Correct. And could there be two more different right. comedies to right. represent the 1970s? Well, and MASH was MASH very... Is, if, any, if none of you have ever seen MASH, is legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Very funny, but also could be really dark at yep. times. And it, what was really interesting about it was that clearly not filmed in front of live studio audience. Mm-hmm. Because it was, you know, it was, I think it was, I mean, there was sets and location, kind of a combination. Uh, But MASH, if you don't know, it's about a a mobile army surgical hospital unit and during the Korean War. And they're they're all the doctors that are treating treating the soldiers and everything. And there would be comedic scenes with laugh tracks, but then there would be surgery scenes. And even when there were jokes, they dropped the laugh track completely during those Mm -hmm. scenes. So it was a really interesting choice, especially for the time. And if I remember correctly, MASH either either started without a laugh track and added it or started with a laugh track and then removed it. And I think it's the second one. I'm not sure, I, but that sounds more likely yeah, I think, to me. I think it removed the laugh track. Um, and one time when I was a kid at uh, visiting Disney's, Disney MGM Studios with my family, we saw Jamie Farr walk into a gift shop. That's fascinating. Um, I don't know. That's a weird match related story. I don't know if I missed anything on sitcoms that y'all know or or uh Bailey, I know you did some uh um research or I don't know if there's anything I missed, but yeah, it, it this one's a little more vague than the other ones. Um Yeah, it's more the aesthetic generally of I think Partridge Family and Brady Bunch are the two that it was mostly cribbing from. Uh just kind of the this, but like you said the mary tyler more specifically but really only there in the beginning which i guess makes sense it's like you can't do the 70s sitcoms and not acknowledge mary tyler more but that also wasn't a family sitcom like brady bunch of Partridge Family. yeah i was so. surprised to see mary tyler Moore show being referenced because it's you know it's known for being like the first show about like an independent working woman mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really not the vibe of what WandaVision is going for. Yeah, I think it was one of those, hey, we didn't forget Mary Tyler Moore, here you go, but the rest of it's going to be the family stuff because it's not like we could have her working at a new station or something. Did you know, and this is relevant to our last episode, well, now I can spoil it, but did you know that in the Mary Tyler Moore show, originally she was supposed to be a divorcee, and that was supposed to be even more, like she left her husband and then started a new life, you know, supposed to be even more progressive. Uh, but they dropped that oh, and wow. just made her single, and do you know why they dropped the divorcee aspect? Can anyone guess? Were they afraid that people would think that she divorced Dick They Van were Dyke? afraid people would think she divorced Rob Petrie. That is correct. <laughs> oh my god! Can you do me mm-hmm. a favor? And if you're going to move your hands around while you're speaking at, at the velocity that you were doing so, can you put that fucking <laughs> needle down? <laughs> You're scaring me, man. <laughs> He's holding a pin, listeners. Can you put a dolphin on the really sure why. I got really <laughs> heated up about that, but... Oh, man. You're, like, holding it next to your eye, and then you were, like, doing this a lot? And I was like, dude, it's gonna poke I his eye out. I could spare one. I, that is true. I, I use that joke. Okay, that's fair. 
Bailey, did you have any sitcom influences growing up? Uh, not really, no. I didn't enjoy watching. I'd, I've never watched Full House or Fresh Prince. I wasn't interested in them. So, Chris looks so I want to say that I have a lot of sitcom influence. I grew up on, on all the sitcoms this show is going to be based on. I don't like most of them anymore. Several I didn't like. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like Full House at the time. I don't like a lot of them now uh, they just i don't think most of them age particularly well at all dick van dyke show does i but. did watch i did watch bewitched because i feel like that was a show that like if you were sick and home from school that was just on all day and obviously like i've seen i love lucy i just i didn't like care that much about them um my mom watched a lot of mash so i've seen that but i don't think that's the vibe that we're going for here no. uh, <laughs> you've um, seen some contemporary sitcoms though yeah, and I watched a lot of the Disney Channel sitcoms. <laughs> so if they do a That's a Raven episode, I'll oh, be you'll all be there. over it. <laughs> you know, they just need to, to in age, the house. age up Billy and Tommy to like early teens and oh. do a you know a Hannah Montana episode. Or a Sweet Life. Oh, wow, the Sweet Life of Billy and Tommy. <laughs> Billy and Tommy are the names of the two of the original Power Rangers. I'm just saying. That is true. Oh, hey, it's a Power Rangers podcast okay. again, baby. Is, is Tommy an original? Does he count as an original Power Ranger? I mean, he's in the original show, I guess. Yeah, but he's so like Adam and Aisha. Yeah, I, I count him as an OG just because he's a part of the first season. Not like he was one of the... He obviously was not one of the first five recruited, because he's not. He but. was the original sixth Ranger, which... Make some original in in some ways. Yeah, I I, I see him as a as an OG. The Red Power Ranger is on that new Bling something show on Netflix about the like rich Asians in LA. Jason? He's, no, his name's like his real name is like Andrew something. Was he the Are second sure? Red Ranger? Maybe. I stopped paying attention but to the second Red Ranger. The second Red Ranger might have been. I stopped paying attention after the original five Power Rangers the same way I stopped paying attention to Pokemon. <laughs> well, I guess we should talk about the episode now. Oh, uh, <laughs> in their inexplicably redesigned living room, Wanda and Vision are visited by the local doctor to discuss Wanda's pregnancy. Dr. Wilson assumes Wanda is about four months, despite it only having been about 12 hours. I want to make a brief correction. Sorry, it's Dr. Nielsen, as in Nielsen writings. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, so... It's Stan Nielsen. No, I thought it was Dr. Wilson, like the volleyball in Castaway. <laughs> Clearly, he was definitely a volleyball, y'all. Didn't you see that dome, dude? That was a volleyball. He was going to, he was going to uh, Bermuda, which is an island, which is where Tom Hanks lived during Castaway. Not the same island, but an island. Castaway's yeah, part man. of the MCU, confirmed. There we go. Uh, Vision expresses concern over how quickly the baby is growing and how it seemingly came from nowhere, but Wanda stops him from saying too much to the doctor. The doctor explains the baby's growth in fruit sizes to Wanda, telling Vision that it's easier for women to understand. Hey, Bailey, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I need to like just read the lines. He said, we let the little ladies, he called little ladies... <laughs> Don't you, don't you love little women? <laughs> we let the little ladies keep tabs on their growing babies with fruit. It makes it simple for them. Like, what? Also, the worst part is they still do that. Like, I, 
our fetus is the size of a lemon and it was the size of a lime. Like they still do the fruit to keep it simple for us little ladies. It <laughs> made me want to die. Um, oh, by the way, <laughs> listeners, we're having a baby. I guess yeah, I was going to say, did you mean that? Do you want me to cut that out? It sounds like we're announcing that on the podcast. No, it's fine. Yeah, I thought you were going to like talk about it because you said this episode made you feel some type of way. Okay, because I was I... to until I was allowed to. Since since we've brought it up now, Angela and I were talking like, are they going to be able to break that perspective of parents to be to this episode, or am I going to like? I was like, I'm going to have to teach, but I've got to like put that in a box with the Z word in my head to make sure I don't accidentally. <laughs> I would like to point out that I had that thought as well, and I had been practicing this morning on scrubbing that from my brain while talking about the podcast like i definitely don't know they're having a baby i think (laughs) only like a percentage of the people we know listen to this podcast i think it'll be that's definitely true no matter what the percentage (laughs) (laughs) that could be anywhere from zero to 100 (laughs) as the resident math expert (laughs) there's no context clues for me to know what percentage she meant <laughs> anyway, so so Bailey, what's your fruit? Uh, a lemon. It's a lemon. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations to the dealership. My little lemon. You know, um, when life gives you lemons, make life take the lemons back. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do with these? I don't make want your life, freaking lemons. Make life rue the day it gave Bailey lemons. Do you know who she is? <laughs> Every villain is. Lemon. Lemon. <laughs> Evil. Uh, Bailey? I don't know how to reel this back in. <laughs> um, okay, then later on in the episode, Geraldine slash Monica um, delivers the baby, and then the doctor's like, oh, you'd be such a great nurse. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. And the, the kind of look between Wanda and Geraldine is... Mm-mm. Yeah, and I do think... We're just going to let that slide. I do think that, like, sexism and gender stereotypes are a common trope of these sitcoms. Um, But I like that the show, like, plays them in a different way. Like, there wasn't, like, a laugh track, or maybe there was after these, but, like, it focuses more on, like, the weird faces they're making where they're like, um, what did you just say? Like, that was super sexist. (laughs) Right, it's lampshading them as negative, not... yeah. You know what? I mean, obviously we were I think we're all kind of on board, right, with with both Wanda and Geraldine being people that are sort of removed from whatever situation is happening here. And the fact that both of them like listen to these comments and they make these faces, you can tell that they are members of the current society where they're like, dude, you can't say that. Like, <laughs> what's up with that? That's sexist. So so quickly is <sighs> Does that mean Dr. Nielsen is not part of that society or is Wanda intentionally creating or or whoever's creating intentionally creating this sitcom to be so authentic that they're forcing the doctor to say misogynistic things? Yeah, because that part. Yeah. When we get to the end of the episode, we talk about his last scene. That's going to be real. I mean, that raises a lot of questions, too. So, yeah, there's still a lot we don't understand. But it's fun. Yeah, I didn't I like have a that lot you put, to say about this point. I like that you wrote hmm in the notes <laughs> and you used like 12 M's. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt and how I feel like they felt when they heard those lines. Hmm. 
Well, and then like later on where Vision goes outside and he's talking about Geraldine and they're like, oh, she's a working woman or something. And they're like, they're ultimately getting at another point about her being like off. But he like immediately is like, oh, no, that's fine. Because like uh, we talked about this, like the Mary Tyler Moore show was the exception, not the rule. Like women didn't really Mm -hmm. hold jobs in this time period. I mean, and look at us now. Specifically, look at us. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> I have a job and Warner doesn't. That's, that's... This, what do you mean? We're doing my job right now. Yeah, one day we'll get sponsored and then Eduardo can be podcast host as his employment title. That's the that's the, the dream. To keep that dream alive. Steph, keep sending in those emails. Yeah, you, uh, get, you said you want to get sponsored by U-Haul, remember? That's right. U-Haul. <laughs> For all your moving needs, assembly required podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think our podcast is very moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, if you go to U-Haul and enter the code assembly, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get nothing. You, man. <laughs> I don't know. You have to go to a rooms to go first, and then you have to tell them you got the code for assembly required. <laughs> then you have to solve a Rubik's Cube, and then the Rubik's Cube will open, and you'll get a voucher for $10 off your U-Haul purchase. Can you guys start doing fake commercials oh. while you're doing WandaVision? That would have been really neat. Nah, we gotta go back and edit one in. Like a fake commercial. I already edited the title of last week's episode <laughs> since they added episode titles this week. <laughs> they did that with The Mandalorian, too. Yeah. Anyway. Yep, but they're just gonna be Goops, Bumps, and Power Rangers commercials every week. <laughs> <laughs> We're going. We've got a couple demos we're going after, right? We're going after RL Stein. We're going after U-Haul. We might go after Saban. Who knows? <laughs> that thought had crossed my mind last week, but I was like, I don't have time to write a skit for us. <laughs> I Robbie, think... do you want to write a skit? Honestly, Soundlord, you and I listen to enough podcasts. I'll bet that one of us could probably write a fake podcast commercial in you well, seconds. We did, well, we had that whole... Just talking about as if you're the only two on this show that listen to podcasts. Like, I don't, are you? I'm sure we're not, What's but we're the, we talk to each other about podcast ads a lot. Yeah. We, I mean, we did that whole Twitter thread a few years yes. back where we started making up fake Marvel podcast ads after they announced the Wolverine podcast. Hey, it's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man here. And sometimes... This episode of sure Assembly Required... Brought to you by Coleslaw Pop Tarts. <laughs> oh no! I can tell you that a lot of times it's really uncomfortable in a superhero costume. That's why I use meat undies. <laughs> I you said meat undies. <laughs> yeah. did I? I did. Uh. <laughs> Sponsored by Lady Gaga. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> After the doctor leaves, Vision sees their neighbor, Herb, trimming the hedges. That's not a euphemism. Herb (laughs) cuts right through a hedge and continues cutting directly through a concrete fence. When Vision points out his mistake, Herb cheerfully acknowledges and continues slicing bizarrely through the concrete with a hedge trimmer. That's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Peach, isn't it weird? It makes me so uncomfortable. I, like... I'll say overall, after this episode, I I left this episode feeling more confused than I had the previous two, which I think is a feat because this whole series so far has just been confusion. The show, which I like, I'm not I'm not upset about it, 
But Herb specifically has me the most confused of every plot, subplot, whatever in this episode. Because in the two scenes he's in, this one, you know, as you just said, he cuts through the bush into the wall. Vision's like, hey, man, I think you missed. And he's like, okay, thanks. And the way that he, the way that Herb looks back at Vision and is just smiling and nodding and continuing without looking down to trim into the concrete wall feels very robotic. Like it feels like a robot who's programming messed up and he just keeps going. So that scene is creepy because Herb doesn't feel like a real person. Fast forward to the last scene, which I'll briefly just touch on the Herb point of. Agnes and he are talking about who knows what. They get into the Geraldine thing with Vision, but he seems like a real person again in that scene. Like a real person who is scared, who wants to let Vision in on a secret, but can't. He can't get the words out. And then... And then... They drop the conversation, Agnes walks away, and Herb goes back to pretending like it didn't happen. Like, the two different Herbs freak me out, because why is one of them malfunctioning robot and the other one is scared human? It's almost like they're two different people. And Chris, you saying earlier that in MASH, the laugh track would drop out for the the surgeon scenes? I didn't realize you were going to make a Marvel callback, because in this scene, when they're being... Like, they're scared, and they're trying to tell Vision something, but they're not. After that scene ends, and Agnes walks away with her bike, and she, like, winks and then, um, you know, triggers the the bike bell or whatever, the laugh track is gone. They're making jokes with Vision right there, and they don't use the laugh track, which seems very intentional to me. Like, they're trying to make a joke, but something's not right. It's because he's performing surgery on the wall. Maybe. <laughs> That's got to be see, it. You can see the scar. You can see the incision on into the wall. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't know what's going on still. I don't think any of us truly really know what's going on. But in this episode specifically, Herb is the biggest mystery to me. He's also, I'll say real quick, the only neighbor that has now been in all three episodes other than Agnes and the funny one. Um, the one Phil. who got fired in the first episode, Jones, Phil. yeah, Phil, Phil right? Jones, and he's in a weird scene too, where it's just him and Dottie. Right. And <laughs> do these earrings make me look fat? Power goes out. Thank God. That was so funny. <laughs> yes, but also the That's second why I didn't he was with Dottie until that point. Same. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Herb, I feel like is more important than. We might think he is because he, wait no he's not in the first episode is yeah he? I don't think so. Anyway, still no yeah he's still confusing to me. That the point is he confuses me and I want to know I want to know where he sits. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's as granular any like now that we're we've watched a few episodes I don't think it's as granular as somebody has to be on screen every episode to prove that they're real or any of these like I think a lot of these people are real. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're living in a world and we are being presented to it, to us like this, but they are literally living in this world. Right. Um, but that's what it can, that's what confuses me is because based on the ending, I want to assume that he is an, an actor that is an unwilling participant in at least some of the things that are going on. But then why in his first scene was he so robotic? 
it's almost like there are two of him. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that scenario out because I don't really think it's true, but is it possible that there are duplicates of the neighbors and some of them are projections and some of them are real? I, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I think it's more of like a, an influence is on him. Like, I don't think, I think there's something messing with his brain. I think right. it's Wanda. And I think that's True. messing with lots of people's brains and they keep trying to get out of it, which is the same reason why Geraldine acts so weird and um, is able to like, be like, Oh, this happened to you. And then she kind of forgets, forgets it. And then it looks like she doesn't forget it. And so um, it, it, I think it's more and more has to do with Wanda's influence and there being multiple people. Right. I guess now that you bring that up the first time that vision and Herbert talking Wanda is kind of in the middle of going through all of these like pregnancy magic things that keep happening in the house. And the second time she's already had the children and she's distracted by Geraldine. So maybe the influence that she might be having over these people is focused on wondering why Geraldine just brought up Ultron. And that's why they're concentration. Yeah, maybe that's why they're able to have a conversation yeah. and say like something's wrong here because they're free for a second. Uh, oh, well, that kind of goes back. Oh, to that might be right. That was in the comics where her, her children disappeared when she wasn't thinking about them, mm-hmm. and when they were young, she was thinking about them all the time. But as she got back into superheroing, there would be times when her mind was not on them, and the children would vanish from reality. Man, that falls yeah. in place so. even better. Now that I've yeah. said it out loud, because right at the very end of that conversation, Herb's like, all right, thanks, buddy. And he goes back to like nothing ever happened in waves. We know in the very next scene that Wanda like yeeted Geraldine out of the reality. So now she's paying attention right. again. Just you like know? what happened with Venus Dottie Venus. last episode, where Dottie snaps out of it while Wanda's distracted. And then as radio explodes. And now I'm wondering if Wanda made the radio explode. Um and, and but when I say, and, yeah. and I think we're going to talk about this more in this episode and also for future episodes. For now, when I'm saying Wanda made, I don't even necessarily mean Wanda consciously made. But um, but then radio explodes. Wanda goes to help her, is being more of her sitcom self. And Dottie goes back to being her sitcom self. So y'all, I think, are on to something. Um, mm-hmm. Also, to everything you just said... Thanks, Herb. To everything you just said, another aspect of it that is almost kind of buried is cutting a cinder block with a head trimmer is physically impossible. So there's more going on than just mind control. Well, that I just assumed it's because it's a set, right? Right, right, right. You can see the wallpaper. Right, so I'm wondering if that's what's going on is if it's supposed to indicate that, oh yeah, that's actually just cardboard. Which might be might be absolutely it, and so then it's how much of what's around them is real, and 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 again with real, I don't necessarily mean in Wanda's head like a dream. Don't necessarily mean projection. Could just be literally sets. I or or maybe that's a wooden fence that she's making people see as a as a as a cinder block fence. I don't know, but it's another little aspect that's just off but off in a way that I think is going to be important. I think it's interesting that in the last two episodes, the exteriors were all shot on location. There's an actual Mm -hmm. cul-de-sac in Burbank that a lot of sitcoms have Mm -hmm. used. So there are a lot of famous sitcom houses on that road. So anytime they're outside in the last couple episodes, at least outside around the houses, 
they were using those as exteriors. And here, the exterior of the house is very clearly on a sound yes. stage. You've got the painted backdrops. I think Bailey mentioned that earlier. Uh, earlier about that, the the house itself, the exterior is clearly a set built on a sound stage. So it's it's like, a complete shift in how it's done. Like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brady Bunch was all done. There was the actual, for actual exterior shots of the house, there was a real house. Right. But then if they actually were filming outside the house, mm-hmm. it was on a stage. Mm-hmm. Hence the AstroTurf. Yes. In the backyard. Excuse me. So. Well, and we think that's something Wanda is adding, right? Because when it when we do get to the end, when Geraldine gets heated out, they very quickly pan on where Geraldine just came out of. And there's like a sign for like a community. And yeah, it like, was real. It looks like it is a community that is under the influence of whatever is going on. Right. Yeah. It, it seems like Westview is a real town that somehow Wanda or someone has trapped in a bubble of unreality. I don't even know how else to describe it. And you even see on the, uh, uh, on a police car out there at the end, there's a, police car that's labeled Eastview Police Department. So so it, it implies that there's a sister community out there somewhere. It's uh, so about Northview and Southview. It's their Eagleton. And, and, it's, and it's very clearly supposed to be, I remember in the comics they lived in Leonia, New Jersey, which is a real place. And there actually is a town called Westview. Two words, not one word. That's like pretty close. It's in, it's in North Jersey as well. And they mention Hackensack. So this is very clearly supposed to be somewhere in northern New Jersey. But, you know, a typical suburban town. Uh, but it seems like it's a real place that has somehow become affected. So are these actual citizens of Westview who are now trapped in this strange scenario? And who among them was already there? Geraldine was clearly an outsider because she didn't know what was going on when she first got there. And then later on, you know, we see more clearly she's affiliated with sword somehow, but, but yeah, it just raises a lot of questions still. Uh, real quick. So we're talking about Geraldine getting in there and the helicopter. Uh, Angela mentioned to me that maybe they used pin particles to shrink the helicopter to get her into the town. I just assumed that. Yeah, I, I never made the pin connection. Just, well, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't make the connection to it was Geraldine. Oh, yeah, like helicopter, and she landed there. And... Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I maybe I didn't say this. I, actually, I don't think I did say it. I did think the helicopter was pin particled but I didn't think of a reason as to why it was Pim Particle. I didn't See, think about I, Geraldine. I thought about like, Geraldine getting there through the helicopter, but didn't think about Pim Particles. So put it together and we both got it and don't got it. Damn, I thought it was a toy helicopter this whole time. <laughs> See, I, I thought that when it got into, like, to better fit in with her reality, uh, it turned, it shrunk down into a toy through magic. But, but yeah, maybe they were using Pim Particles to do it. Interesting. Wow. So many fun ideas. You know, I um, I really like how a lot of our theories from last week were just immediately debunked this week. <laughs> it was really great. Like We were like, oh, uh, Wanda and Vision are in every scene. We immediately get a scene without Wanda or Vision. Uh, what were other ones that we, that we said were... You said something yeah. about the commercials. The commercials? But the, I think what? the commercial thing is still right. Yeah. I want to wait till we get to the commercial, though. This one was a little more vague. But... Yeah. The the only connection 
I'm not even going to say I made it because, again, this is Angela. I'm still in love with her ideas. She should be on here instead of me. But uh, the the bathtub, uh, uh, there is a, a bathtub in Age of Ultron. Iron Man makes the family get into a bathtub so he can get them off yep. of Sokovia. But that's the only bathtub connection I could make. But I feel like unleash your inner god, the goddess within has to mean something. And I, think I don't know if it has, like, has all I think, powers. Yeah, yeah. I think Unleash the Goddess Within is Hydra giving her her powers with the Mind Stone. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because Hydra, they didn't really show this side of Hydra too much after Red Skull, uh, but they did on Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., which again, don't know how much of an influence that will ever be going forward or not, but Hydra had this weird occult side to it. It wasn't just weird science, it was occult magic you know, they wanted the Tesseract because mm-hmm. they belonged to the gods. It was the Jewel of Odin's treasure room. So, so yeah, unleashing the goddess within using the power of an infinity stone uh, 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 that they got from an actual Norse god. I mean, it makes sense. When he comes back inside, huh. Vision finds Wanda's pregnancy has already advanced farther. Wanda is unfazed. Wanda begins setting up the nursery for her new baby. She shows an ability to accidentally manifest things she is thinking about when she accidentally turns a butterfly crib mobile into real butterflies. Vision estimates at her current rate, the baby will be born in three days, which I think was a really bad estimation. Yeah. <laughs> because if all the hours she was four months pregnant, how would that mean that in three days she would have the baby? Right. Well, if it's not real vision, if it's Wanda yes. creating vision, yeah, then it's, Wanda, her, it's her math. Oh. If it's, yeah, if it's Wanda's vision <laughs> and not vision's vision, then it's her math, not his Wanda's math. Wanda's bad at math? Is that what? Probably based on that. <laughs> Wanda experiences false labor, which causes the electronics in the house to go haywire. The surrounding neighborhood loses power, and Wanda expresses concern the neighbors will realize this is their fault. I want to point out that when the electronics go haywire, and I sent this to y'all in the group chat earlier, but they back-to-back make this pose, and it's the pose from the first issue of the 1985 Vision of the Scarlet Witch uh, comic series, where they both kind of had their hands up and like the thriller kind of thing going on. <laughs> but, it, but, it's a very, but it is a very, very, very similar pose to the point where it had to be intentional. Vision agrees and starts talking about the strange uh, things going on, saying something's wrong here, Wanda. At the end of the sentence, in a single frame, time skips back to the start of Vision, responding to Wanda's concern. Uh, But this time, Vision consoles Wanda instead, telling her he's anxious too, but everything will be perfect. Did anyone else get really tricked by that? Because I thought my internet, like, took... Because it would happen so seamlessly. It was like right back to the beginning of the scene. And I was like, you're not the only person who has said that. (laughs) So uh, that got a lot of people. Like the last time that happened, there was a very visually distinct rewind sequence. And this time. And I thought I knew she was going to stop him and backtrack it. I did. But I thought it was going to be through a rewind. I'm glad they used a different method. It was it was cool and unsettling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely tricked me, though. I just love them playing with the format so much. I just think that is so great. Yes. I, I, I love when, when shows or, or anything does that. I, I love it when, like in a video game or whatever, they, they mess with the fact that it is a medium, that we have certain expectations of how it works, 
So when they intentionally break it, uh, I think that's really effective. It, it makes it jarring. And, uh, I mean, clearly. Thank you, Psychomantis. Yes, exactly. Thank you like Castlevania, don't you? Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, Wanda <laughs> immediately goes into labor for real. When her water breaks, it causes rain inside the house. That was a fun gag. Yeah. You didn't mention the breathing techniques. Uh, it wasn't written for me to mention, but yes, there were breathing techniques. No, I liked when you did them earlier. When did I do them? I don't know what happened. We all heard you. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't hear it. You're making me sound Sounds crazy. Sounds made up, but okay. It's because it wasn't when we were recording, which is why you sound so crazy. You gotta understand when it's recording and not recording, so that you don't bring up not recording things to the people listening to the recording, because they weren't at the not recording. You is that recording? like how you guys bring up things and you're like, look at this, but no one can look at what you're talking about? <laughs> Dang. It's true. Woo! Try to call 911. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Uh, but yeah, no, the vision does help Wanda with her breathing techniques when she gets the. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to. What's the Braxton name of the contract? Braxton Higgs. Contraction? Hicks. Hmm. You know, Braxton like Hicks. Hicks. <laughs> like a Hicks. Uh, then we get to the commercial break. The same woman from the previous commercials experiences the hectic life of a housewife. She is offered the chance to get away through Hydra Soak Luxury Bath Powder. The tagline is, find the goddess within. This is the first time that so, one of the commercials has featured more than just the man and the woman. We've still got the man and the woman, but now he has mm-hmm. kids in it, too. Wait, there's a man in because that Because now there's kids. He's uh, fanning her uh, with a palm branch. Or a palm oh, branch. you just see, like, his hands then? No, you, no, no, you back up. He's, no. he's dressed up like a Roman or Greek kind of guy. With oh, all of, yeah. you're right. Yeah, I... I I think my attention was diverted to the child because um, it was like a small black child. And we're all thinking about like young Monica Rambeau from Captain Ooh. Marvel being Geraldine as an adult. And that's where my head went was is okay. that somehow I like this commercial. I mean, obviously it's a Hydra thing because it's Hydra soak. The goddess within tagline, probably important. I liked the slightly more subtle nod where they're talking about the soap if you if you want to be carried away but stay in the same place use this soap which is exactly what ultron did to sokovia he lifted it up (gasps) into the air it was still in the same place but it was high in the sky Hmm. floated away oh do you know what i forgot to bring up by the way um when they're talking about naming the kids billy or tommy uh, Vision brings up Shakespeare, and the quote he uses is from the Midsummer Night's Dream, which I feel dumb for not getting the significance of the first time I watched it. But in the second, he uses the line, All the world's a stage, and the men and women on it merely players, which is pretty on the nose exactly what is happening in this, uh, in this reality that Wanda has created. It is almost as on the nose as the choice of Daydream Believer at the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. All I know is that Billy Shakespeare wrote a whole bunch of sonnets. <laughs> that is true. Thanks. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. 
Chinese food makes me sick. Not true, actually. I love Chinese food. And I think it's fly when the girls stop by in the summer. <laughs> um, also, the this is the first time that they've used the word... For the children. Uh, they've used the word children in the MCU. Yes. Yes. I was taken aback by it because yeah. I didn't think... I didn't know that he was necessarily a thin, sy- synthesoid. 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 me. Synthesoid. Thank you! <laughs> synth and you. Synth and me. <laughs> I liked on that show how they would change the credits or when they got to the Freak Zoo, where it was either him in a cage for Freak Zoo or a store that was selling free kazoos. <laughs> <laughs> They they did it both ways. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, that was a weird sidetrack, but par for the course for us. Freakazoid is my favorite. Goosebumps. As Wanda's labor continues, Vision runs to get the doctor. Um, now, Chris, Vision's running is kind of weird because I didn't know that that was a power that he had, that like yeah. speed thing that he does in this, because he does it multiple times. There's one where he runs to pick to get the fruit because she like pops uh-huh. it with her belly. And then the second one is when he runs to the doctor, but I don't think Vision has ever had super speed. That's not a power that has ever been demonstrated in the MCU, at least. It, it seems that the sort of power that he could have because he's just a robot. Wasn't it demonstrated with Ultra? Yes. Yeah, that is the thing, is that when you think of super speed in the MCU, you think of Wanda's twin brother, Pietro, Quicksilver. So this is... We, I'm still in the dark about whether Vision is real or not, really. And the fact that he is using super speed in this episode, which, as we see later, is the first time since Age of Ultron that Pietro is mentioned by name, I think. I don't remember if they said his name in uh, in uh, Civil War. I know they alluded to him in Endgame. But this is the first time that they've said Pietro since he died in Age of Ultron. So clearly they want us to be thinking about Pietro and the fact that they, that he is demonstrating Pietro's power in this episode. Uh, is this part of Wanda's grief manifesting itself? Is she projecting that onto Vision? I, I don't know. That, uh, what do you guys like? Do you think that that was a deliberate choice, like to make us start thinking about Quicksilver and then from especially when they bring him up later? I hadn't thought about it, but you might be right. Does he have super speed in the comics? Not that I know of. Because I was, I, my first thought was that they just brought in a power that he has and just hasn't been a part of the MCU yet. But as you say that, it does make more sense to think if, if vision is an illusion of some sort that she might be just associating a different power with him because he definitely hasn't done that outside of this show he had the super fast movements in the first episode when he was computing um and then he had these two moments here but i i can't think of a single moment that he ever did something like that in i think in the comics it's mainly uh, shifting his density and forehead lasers so so in the first episode when when he says you know it was just shorthand and she says, I can levitate a pen with my mind and you can move at the speed of light. Why does anyone need to shorthand? And I just accepted that. Like, I didn't yeah. think anything of it. But it so it has been brought up in the show already. That said, that doesn't mean this is wrong. I hadn't thought about it at all. I just accepted it, even though, yeah, you're right. That's not really something he's displayed. He actually has demonstrated in all three episodes, though. Uh, in the first episode, when he's calculating at work. 
And the second episode, discard, 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 and his hand starts moving super yeah, fast. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yep. But the, the still, wiki, this is the first time we see him run super fast. The, the wiki page says that one of his abilities is superhuman agility, intelligence, strength, and speed. But I think that is based on the comic character. And I yeah. like we only know what we know about this character the way they've integrated him into the MCU. So I... I, I think I'm leaning more heavily toward what you just said. And right. and you can look at Captain America and Black Panther. They also demonstrate superhuman agility and speed. Yeah. But they are not speedsters the way that Quicksilver right. is. Yeah. And his moves, when, when he is moving quickly, it is remi- completely reminiscent of Quicksilver doing things. Like, yeah, they I use the same visual effect there. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to overthink everything. It it may just be that they're, yeah, Vision has speed. We haven't shown it yet in the MCU, but we're going to use it in the show. It might just be that simple. But I, you may well be onto something. And it is, if you are onto something, they are definitely using it in a way that is reminiscent of Quicksilver. I think Chris is right, especially because they literally mention him in the episode. Like, I feel like they mm-hmm. want you to make that connection. Or they well, want it feels you like it was a... Like going one direction and then like the next episode yeah well, well and also he wasn't he wasn't just fast in this episode they made a point multiple times of the speed like it wasn't just that vision is fast it is they built a scene around him stopping fruit from hitting the ground with his speed they made the doctor lampshade his speed um multiple times so the only other yeah. power he demonstrates in this episode at all is he levitates at one point and then he himself back down to earth. Um, but but other than that, the only power he uses in this episode, unless you want to count turning into a human when he goes outside, is super speed. And it just seemed very... Okay, here's a, here's a weird theory. What if Vision isn't... Vision is a real person. He's not a construct of, of Wanda's mind. But he's also not Vision. What if yeah. Vision is another character... That is being made up to be Vision. We've already heard that Evan Peters is going to be in here in some capacity. At least that's the rumor, right? Mm-hmm. And he is another yeah. Quicksilver speedster. It'd be really yeah. weird because he'd be her brother from another dimension. And that'd be a super that, weird thing to do is to make that. What I'm hoping is that he will show up as her brother and she's going to be like, no, this isn't right. I think that would be a real oh, fun Oh, that would be funny. That. But either way, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, also about Vision, this is pretty much the same around the same scene that we're talking about. Uh, we mentioned that whenever he starts to come close to realizing something is wrong, Wanda resets it. This happened in the last episode with the rewind after the beekeeper showed up. And then here, uh, when he's sitting down and telling her something is wrong, there is a very, very brief moment where his eyes shift and look directly at the camera. Mm-hmm. And it's like the most, the closest we've gotten to actually breaking the fourth wall on this show um, by a character. Um, the, the, the fourth wall has been broken numerous times already uh, when, when you literally rewind the show. But he looks at the camera just for the briefest of seconds, but it's there. And he's realizing something is wrong and Wanda looks worried and that's when she blips it back you know 10 seconds so that uh they can undo that uh so is this showing that vision 
Is he real and he's figuring this out? Is this a copy of Vision in some way, either grafted onto another character, or maybe Sword or whoever has found his body, or maybe Wanda got his body, and is using magic to reanimate him like a mystical weekend at Bernie's? Or... <laughs> and... Has... Has she because done of recent events, I'm picturing Vision sitting in a folding chair with mittens on. <laughs> oh gosh! But like his, he's smart enough. So he's smart enough to figure out that something is amiss, but maybe not so smart that he's doing the math correctly. Uh, is that like the limits of her ability to recreate this complex mind that was half artificial intelligence, half Infinity Stone? she really is invested in him not figuring out what's going on, or so it seems at least to the extent that she's aware of what's going on. She doesn't want either. She doesn't want him to figure it out or she doesn't want anything intruding on her fantasy and anything that doesn't fit. She's going to get rid of, uh, which reminds me, I don't know if you ever seen the twilight zone episode. It's a good life. It's, I never uh, remember the name, so what's okay. the context? That's one where Bill Mumy, he's the little boy, and they live in this town that's, like, all alone, and this kid has, like, psychic powers. And whenever anyone makes him mad, oh, he, like, yes. banishes them to yes. the cornfield or does something horrible to them. So everyone just does their best to keep this kid happy be because nice they're terrified like, You're such a good boy, like... Bobby, do you have some trivia the, specifically the episode, to share about that episode? The, the episode that the Tower of Terror pre-show used. Because in that episode, he starts... Um, this episode of the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and requires a different type of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a map of the United States of America, except in the Tower of Terror, it cuts off when he says map and instead the, leaves the first M but goes to maintenance service elevator using a... It's such an, a good yes. cut. Yeah, it is. I'm like in awe of that every what? time I yep. see it. He starts to say map and he goes M and then it cuts away and shows the elevator and completes maintenance service elevator. That... Wasn't filmed for the pre-show. No, it was not. It's really dead. Yeah, I'm out that, of here, dude. That yes. was that. Uh -huh. That was taken from an episode. There is an impersonator who who does the voice, and he is the only officially sanctioned by Rod Serling's estate. Rod Serling impersonator. Mm -hmm. They used him on the new Jordan Peele Twilight Zone as well. What? Yep. Yeah. Mark Silverman or something like that. My mind is blown more now than it was at so, the end wait, of this episode. So, Anytime I watch that Twilight Zone episode, it is surreal to me because I now associate that as the Tower of Terror pre-show. But instead, it is, yeah, a very I'm famous so episode eyes, of Twilight Zone 2. Your eyes lit up when I mentioned the episode. It made me so happy. <laughs> I'm like, I oh, good. He, he's going where I well, hope Well, and so, Sound Lord, you probably know what the other thing I think of when you mention that episode is. Um, oh gosh, is it The Simpsons? It's The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, oh, but there's a there's a, a point I wanted to make here about a, a comics parallel here. How she doesn't want people figuring out what's going on. But specifically Vision. If, if Vision is someone that she specifically wants to keep in the dark, if she is indeed in running all of this, as she may or may not be, we're still not 100% sure. Comics parallel here. In the Vision and the Scarlet Witch miniseries... Necra, the Queen of the Dead, uh, uses Black Talon's voodoo powers to rep to resurrect Eric Williams, aka the Grim Reaper. But the limits of this spell are that if this Eric Williams, this Grim Reaper, this zombie version of him, 
becomes aware of the fact that he is actually dead, it will ruin the spell and it would effectively break the illusion and kill him. So if Vision's survival in her idyllic life requires him not to know this, if he figures it out, would that shut him out? Would it be like, this statement is false and now my computer brain can't handle the paradox? kind of thing like what like is that a parallel that's there well we do get that scene in the trailer with agnes uh telling vision that he's dead mm. yeah i now regret watching the trailer i just yeah. want to point that out i i should have yeah. been peaches with this trailer well i wasn't even peaches with the trailer so yeah. peaches wasn't even doing his job Wanda hears a strange sound coming from the nursery, but is interrupted by the arrival of Geraldine. Geraldine needs to borrow a bucket as her house flooded when Wanda's water broke as well. Uh, the class what a weird sentence. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> the classic sitcom-style hijinks of the episode ensue as Wanda tries to hide a pregnancy from Geraldine, while Geraldine wants to hang out and talk. Bailey, since you're our resident pregnancy expert... Uh, <laughs> Please tell us about all the pregnancy references and stuff. Please tell us about all the bowls you've held in front of your stomach. This is like such a classic sitcom trope um, because believe it or not, uh, women get pregnant from time to time. Working women who still like to have their job and work at their job. How dare they? Pregnant in real life. <laughs> so literally- You think you can have it all? <laughs> So, like, going back as far as, like, I Love Lucy, apparently the I Love Lucy pilot, she was pregnant when it was filmed. So she wore this. It was one that, like, didn't air. Um, mm. So she was pregnant when it was filmed. So she wore just, like, a big coat over her belly. Um, sim- I think it was actually similar to Wanda's coat. Uh, I needed to, like, look up the picture, but I didn't have time. That's fun. Um, and then in the second season, she gets pregnant in real life, but they do end up writing it into the show. But she couldn't say the word pregnant. Yeah. I guess that was improper. That broke Peach's brain last week when we said that. <laughs> yeah, you guys keep breaking my brain. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, how come they didn't have beds together? Is it, is it they didn't want to show anything about sex? Yes, that's what it was. What? Literally. <laughs> yeah, it was improper <laughs> for women to say the word pregnant because we all know that that is improper having kids. If you say pregnant three times, a baby shows up in your belly. Oh, that's how Babby is formed. Yeah. Um, But anyways, literally in like every TV show you can think of, like Friends, uh, Scandal, Desperate Housewives, Frasier, like at one point a woman gets pregnant and they do really ridiculous things to try yep. and cover it up. Like it's usually like a coat or in um, sex in the city. She wore weird, like empire waist dresses, like in Bridgerton. Yeah. When, um, when Julia Louis Dreyfus was pregnant on Seinfeld, they did a lot of like having her stand behind tables and counters or sit down in baggy clothes. Like they did a good job. Apparently. Of- at first considered just writing it into the show that she would just have gained weight and just be fat and she was like that that's a terrible idea obviously on Seinfeld that's what they did on Frasier though yes you, uh, Daphne like developed an eating disorder that is correct and just started eating. Uh, it never I never thought about how awful that was until this month. that's horrible <laughs> like I I also never really made that connection it's so weird 
Frasier's usually a really good show, but that's like, wow. That's a tough look. Um, And then there's been shows that kind of like play with this trope. Um, Like in How I Met Your Mother, like Lily and Robin were both pregnant in season four. Um, And Lily starts like holding things like a globe or like a basketball. And then I think in 30 Rock, I haven't seen it, but I know it's a thing that they like also play with this trope. Yes. Yeah. 30 Rock makes fun of it a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, But here it's weird because Wanda is trying to hide that she's pregnant to the other people in the show, but we know she's pregnant. So it's just like a little like thing that they play with. Like she puts on the coat and Geraldine is like, it's 70 degrees outside. Why are you wearing a coat? She's like, it's such a nice coat. Um, in the TV shows where they try to do this, like the actress doesn't need to wear a coat. It'll be summer, but they just are wearing a stylish coat. Um, or she like holds the big fruit bowl and that somehow covers her, like nine month pregnant bump (laughs) that's it i just thought it was funny no i think that's that's a really good point Mm -hmm. yeah nice job bailey i know i made a good point good on you Further complicating her ruse, Wanda day. Uh, manifests a stork she painted in the nursery into an actual stork wandering the living room and tries desperately, again in sitcom fashion, to get Geraldine from noticing. Also, Wanda is, again, going through labor and trying to ke- uh, keep that a secret. As she starts to finally leave, Geraldine discovers the nursery and Wanda is unable to keep her contractions down, giving away that she is pregnant to a shocked Geraldine. I think she was still holding the fruit bowl. She was right? holding a, a vase and then she dropped it and it broke. As you do. You is there, do you guys think there's something fishy about the stork or or is it just the, the pregnancy thing going on? Because she tries to magic the stork away and it does not go away and that kind of makes me think that it's like a surveillance thing. Because Agnes knows that Geraldine is in the house. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe Agnes manifested the stork and is kind of like walking around with it and that's why Wanda can't magic it away? That's possible. She tries like two or three times and it doesn't go anywhere. And then when Geraldine goes into the room and it is in the room with her, it magically understands how to walk up to the wall where the painting of the stork was and pose. I mean, it's it kind of seems like there might be some maybe some other other people at play here, I or I might just be reading into it. I thought it was too much. just like she's in labor and she can't focus. On yeah, that's what I thought, but possibly that's how I, that's how I read but it. But that's yeah, it was weird that the stork like did casually stand and like hide itself at the exact yeah. time. Because you know, why she could the purpose be for Wanda to know first off. The whole concept of a surveillance story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm changing my. Of hold on. I'm changing my. Of all the different. It's, it's a drone made by Stork Industries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Agnes. Agnes, we we are pretty sure that she is is Agatha Harkness, and she knows Geraldine is in the house. She asks Vision about it. So it it stands to reason that if she is a witch, she might have done something to keep an eye on Wanda. I hope it is a surveillance stork, and you all look like fools for doubting peaches. <laughs> Thank you, Bailey. <laughs> oh man, um, you know when when Geraldine hears the stork when it makes the 
she looks genuinely disturbed. Uh-huh. Like that yes. almost snaps her out of it. And that was actually kind of freaky because it wasn't like sitcom funny confusion of, oh, what was that? It was, did you hear that? Like she got like right. super serious all right. of a sudden. It was so And boring. then it's turned into sitcom funny with, with how, how yeah. is it? It's my ice maker. Like, yeah. Yeah. Classy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I, that's why I think it maybe wasn't Wanda because you know it it felt like something that didn't belong and we don't really get to see the things that quote unquote don't belong anymore because in the black and white episodes everything that appeared in color felt like something that didn't belong but now the whole episode is in color so how can we find those things there has to be another type of context clue that gives us those leads and in this case it was geraldine being like the hell is this you know but geraldine also doesn't belong so that might not actually mean anything yeah i i think personally i attribute the stork like just being there to being a funny sitcom thing like in sitcoms, a stork would be there and then would just happen to stand like it's not that the stork is sentient it's just that that's just how things happen in a sitcom. The stork just, it, that's how it plays out. The stork happens to be on the wall right at the right time. Right. Because that's how sitcoms work. I don't know. I think that's how yeah. I read that. No, I mean, it's it's, this being a sitcom allows for some contrivances. Right. Yeah. I'm team. But we've already established sometimes that we think the sitcom stereotypes are being used for a specific purpose, right? Like you talked about in the first episode, Eduardo, how you think maybe Vision is in this world, and this might be debunked in your head at this point, but you still talked about it, how Vision is in this world to compute something, but he doesn't know what he's computing, and that's why his job is the sitcom stereotype. We don't know what job the father has. They use the sitcom stereotype, but it's for a greater purpose. Sure. Do you feel like that's debunked at this point, by the way? I It feels like because they haven't mentioned it in so long, I feel like it is debunked. Okay. Um, but who knows? It could be... He could be gathering data on a new species of surveillance story. And that's what they need <laughs> for. And that's what they need all right. for. Okay. <laughs> to do all of these spreadsheets on the surveillance story. I'm going to play bass for surveillance stork one day. (laughs) Uh, Vision finds Dr. Uh, Nielsen, who was supposed to go on vacation, but his car is conveniently stopped working just when he needs to leave. Vision grabs him and carries him at high speed to the house. As Wanda's labor intensifies, paranormal nonsense starts to break out all over the house. Geraldine notices the happenings, but is only moderately phased as she helps Wanda deliver her son. Vision and the Doctor arrive just after the birth of Tommy. As Vision and Wanda greet their new son, Wanda goes back into labor, delivering Tommy's twin brother, Billy. Vision sees Dr. Nielsen off and wishes him well on his vacation. Nielsen says he doesn't think he will be going, as small towns are so hard to escape. Uh, that's another moment by the way i noticed where the camera work got modern again because it started to slowly push in on vision as he's reacting to dr nielsen saying that uh peach you got some 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 thoughts about this scene i think this is just kind of a tagline on the herb thing too that i talked about earlier um i just the the doctor specifically the way that he is 
in the beginning of the episode, excited to leave, excited to go to Bermuda. And then by the end, he's like really dejected about it. Like, I can't go. It's impossible to escape. That makes me feel a lot like a lot more like the citizens of this town are trapped. They're here for some purpose, unwilling, um, but they're playing along for whatever reason. Maybe that guy's not even a doctor. Maybe he was just there to play a doctor and then get the hell out. But the baby happened so much quicker than anyone anticipated. Now he can't leave because he needs to keep playing the role of the doctor. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's unsettling. Obviously we all felt weird about it. I think as we watch this, our, until we actually know what's happening, our, our minds are going to go in all sorts of places, but um, you know, compared to some of the theories I had last week where, you know, some people might be real, some people might be projections based on this doctor's reaction. I'm more leaning towards everyone there is real and most of them don't want to be there, if not all of them. My wild conspiracy, uh, such a surveillance stork, is that um, <laughs> Geraldine, when she took him into the kitchen, I feel like she like told him something because he still seems like he's like in the act up until that point, and then after he goes outside, like the vibes are just off. Like I feel like maybe. She like told him something like this is this is a simulation this is fake or something like you're trapped here because like I feel like his tone changes completely from when he was in the house. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, we never know at all what they talked about. I kind of just felt it like it was one of those. All right, they just had a child. Let's let them be alone moments. But you're right. Like that's the barrier between his two moods. That's possible. I think Geraldine doesn't know enough to say anything like that, though. Like, I think she also doesn't know what's happening. But she, like, kind of does, though, right? I think she knows something is, like, sketchy. Well, so we get... Pretty soon we're going to get to the point where she gets kicked yes. out, right? And mm-hmm. when they're having this discussion, she, like, tries to get back into character and then finally is like, Wanda's not falling for this. And then she, like, breaks character again and is like, come on, Wanda. So I feel like this, Geraldine is the one person who's like faking it. Really? That's what you think was happening? Yeah. You might be right. It but seemed like she... I... That's how I read that scene. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no. you. you yeah, that be... scene was read two different ways in this apartment. I'll tell yes. you that. So, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, Angela read it like you did, I think, mm-hmm. where she thinks that Geraldine saw her chance with, with the scene coming up. as like, maybe I can reach her now. Or as... I think, Robbie, I don't want to speak for you, but I think the way you and I saw it was that something clicked in her yes. head that brought her back. Yeah, you can speak for me. Go ahead. Set. You got it right. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that that her bringing up Pietro, bringing up Soko- and singing in Sokovian and all of that, or, or whatever, like, because mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a real language, so it's probably Russian or something. I, I don't, I can't guess. Um, but all of that, something clicked in her head and she remembered her real life and had that brief moment of clarity and either she snapped back into trying to calm her down or it was just a moment and she was back to being Geraldine again and didn't understand what yes that That was unintentional but yes (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, so so that's how I read it, but a- Angela, I think, read it like you, where she's like fully an undercover agent and was like, okay, this is my chance to try to reach her. Um, I, I tend towards her not being 100% and that just being a moment of clarity right. because when she first meets Wanda in the previous episode, she doesn't really seem to know what's going on. She seems confused and has to think about, my name is Geraldine. I don't know why I'm here. Uh, so it's like entering this bubble has messed with her head. She's there as she was probably sent in by sword uh, as an undercover agent of some. That's kind. what I think. Uh, but getting in there, she like Wanda's hold on this town is so strong that it even affected her for a time. Okay, but I think that another thing is that her demeanor is different from the first time we see Geraldine in the last episode and this episode because in this episode she is significantly so, more like confident and it feels like she's almost a different character whereas in the first one she is a lot more like you're saying very confused she doesn't say anything with lots of confidence she's very like timid whereas in this one she is incredibly more confident and like maybe that has something to do with it I don't know Maybe. Like maybe. maybe she's kind of used to whatever Wanda's doing to yeah. manipulate everybody. I think I'm I think I'm leaning a lot more toward Eduardo's theory on this one because she like strikes on this opportunity, right, to try to snap Wanda out of it. She's also on her necklace, they make a point to zoom in on it, wearing the right. sword logo. And if you're undercover, why would you wear the logo of the th- place you work for unless you're trying to visually bring somebody home right maybe she's wearing the logo in hopes that wanda knows about sword in advance for whatever reason she might know about sword and she'll see the sword logo and go why do i recognize that because otherwise if you're undercover don't wear the necklace so i have a couple thoughts on that one as we see when she gets ejected she is still wearing these 70s clothes Um, what I think is going on is when she went in, you said ejected, you might need it. (laughs) Um, when I think she probably came into here as a spy or trying to get Wanda or whatever's going on. I think she was sent here by sword. And then when she fell under, I'm assuming Wanda's spell, um, the things that she has then manifest into what fits the sitcom, which is something she had with a sword logo became, a necklace instead. So that's my theory on that. In terms of her like seizing the moment though, that is not how I'm reading it at all because she stands there and has like this moment of like, like snapping out of something and like staring off into space and thinking and changing her demeanor and then saying, Pietro, he was killed by Ultron, right? Now in that moment, I do think she is trying to get through to Wanda. I think that you guys are right on that. It's just, I don't think she's been playing an act. I think she has managed to have something that snaps her temporarily out of this sitcom haze. And then I think she ends up back into it. I don't know. I think it can be both. I also think that I don't know how many other WandaVision podcasts are out there right now, but if I am one of the writers for this show that already knows the full story, I would be listening to every single one of them and laughing right. my ass off at all. Of right. <laughs> if you asked me to put money on one of these, I would end like, like, so we've got these two theories on Geraldine. If you asked me to put money down, I would end up putting money on neither. 
Sure, yeah. Because <laughs> I think there's a good chance that we're all wrong about everything. I think we're right about the surveillance story. <laughs> <laughs> I am not even offended, Bailey. I know you're on my side, so... <laughs> As the doctor leaves, Vision finds Agnes in his yard talking to Herb, still at the damaged fence. Agnes expresses dismay at Geraldine being inside talking to Wanda. She and Herb express to Vision that Geraldine is brand new to town and doesn't have a home or a husband. There's nothing wrong with that. They seem unconvinced. Do you think that Herb and Agnes know who Geraldine is? Because when they're like whispering about her at the like, still, they're like, what is she doing here? Like, it feels like they yeah. know who No, she I is, think right? they absolutely do. My cuz mm. I'm going to say that everyone here except for maybe Agnes is a sword agent. Um and they're all going through the same thing. Now I don't think Herb is in control of his reality. But yes, I absolutely think they do. And I'm certain that Agnes does. Well, kind of certain that Agnes does. Yeah, I don't think they were whispering about her being like single with a job. No. No, no. if you look at the closed cap, that they actually show in the closed captions what they were saying. Yeah, and watch we did watch yeah. it with the closed captions. No, we, we didn't watch it the second what time. What did the they say? That it's like first they say like, "Is she in there?" And then, "Did you see her tummy?" And what is she doing here? What is she doing here? I think that's yeah. Think. They are talking about her, but it's not in the context that they bring up right. the vision. Right, they, they're not. They're not saying, like, isn't it weird that she's a single woman? They're like, what? Why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who invited her? Yeah, they seem, if they don't know exactly who she is, they know that she's not supposed to. Right, and and it's almost like all of them are here for this, like, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like they're all here for this project and they have a, a part to play. And maybe Wanda has spun that project out of control. And then Geraldine, who wasn't supposed to be here, she showed up. What is she doing here? She doesn't have a house that she's living in. And she's not, you know, the the head of the PTA for the children. Um, Wait, hold on. So if she doesn't have a house, does that mean she has exited and entered into this vision multiple times? Possibly. Because where, where has she been? Like, she doesn't have anywhere to go, right? Like, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Does... Does the world exist between scene changes? Right. That that was that was kind of how I was. Yeah, maybe. You put into words kind of how I was thinking about it. Can I, I say one past. thing? Night happened one when thing. they cut the next day. Yeah. I got to say one thing about Geraldine before we leave because I need to have another surveillance stork moment because if it's right, <laughs> if it's right, then then I get bonus points. I so I went back before we. Well, okay, I watched episode three on my lunch break on Friday and then roommate and pal and I watched the whole series from the beginning to episode three, because pal had not seen any of it yet. And it's a confusing show and we didn't want to just put on episode three and then Herbie really confused even more so. So we watched all three of them. I don't know if this is because I had already seen episode three and we had got, I had gotten to the point where Geraldine got yeeted from Westview and it was already in my mind, like, okay, for sure, outsider. But if you go back and watch episode two, it's in black and white, and we see, like, the splashes of red here and there. When I was re-watching that, it looked to me like Geraldine 
specifically Geraldine, her color was trying to come through a little bit more in every scene than everyone else that were in black and white. She's wearing like a dress that's like kind of, it looks kind of blue and yellow. And you can kind of see, or my mind was playing tricks on me, a little bit more blue in that saturation than everybody else's costumes. You know, I remember thinking when I watched the episode that there was like some sort of tint to the screen a couple times. Yes. And I didn't know if I was imagining it. So you saying that you saw it too makes me want to go back and watch it again now and see at least the, at least specific the moments when I thought that happened because, yeah. because I think you really might be onto something. And it, that would make sense because if, if we're thinking that Wanda has created this situation and Geraldine's not supposed to be there, she wouldn't have known to make Geraldine fit in. You know, she doesn't know who she is. And maybe the black and white thing that's going on isn't fully affecting her yet because she's not a part of the show yet. Wow. Okay. I'm glad that you, you kind of saw it too, though. I'm not a hundred percent crazy. Maybe okay. like 98%. Yeah, Cause I, I didn't bring that up last week. Cause I was like, you know, I'm probably just imagining that or, or it's just something weird with my TV, but Okay. Again, Marvel Marvel FBI person listening in on this podcast is like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> that guy's so dumb. <laughs> they don't realize it's all Mysterio and Chameleon. Oh. No, it's Mysterio and Wolverine. It's a love story. Yeah. Uh, the new, the new power couple. <laughs> when Vision asks what they mean by no home, Herb says, she came here because we're all, and repeats it several times, not finishing the sentence. Agnes tells him to stop it and gives him a desperate pleading no face. He wants to say we're all trapped, right? Like, I feel like that's, that's how my brain filled it in. Yes. Agnes turns back to Vision with a smile and leaves. When Vision asks Herb what's going on, Herb at first looks distressed, then smiles and says, catch you on the flip side, Vision, and leaves. And if there's one thing I love, it's when Robbie feels genuinely uncomfortable. So Robbie, please tell us about this poopy poopy pee pee fact. <laughs> yeah i don't man i don't have much to add so i hope you guys have something to say about it because this like really actually made me very anxious like extremely uncomfortable and stressed out by this show which was not really something i was expecting and honestly i, I struggled to even put my finger on why a lot of it was also these scenes are interspersed with Wanda turning kind of sinister, which we're going to talk about next. Uh, that didn't help. Um, and I think I may be afraid of her. Um, but yeah. Uh, and I also, I want to know, I, I'm still really obsessed with what is Agnes doing because I think she is in control. I don't know if that's in control of herself or if that's maybe she's in control of this, this universe. Um, I don't think she's a sword plant. I think she is something else, like spying on Wanda, manipulating Wanda, trying to help Wanda. One of those things. Um, I'm leaning towards manipulating, but I, the the no face she gave to her, made me question what's going on. Because... <laughs> um. So yeah, I I I don't know if you guys don't have anything to add. Don't, but I just. Did you really? notice her shoes in this scene? Because no. Angela and I noticed her shoes at the exact same time. She's they've got buckles on them. They look like old timey like Salem shoes or like pilgrim shoes that makes or something. Sense. So just yeah. another 
another thing that makes me think of her being part of New Salem. Right. Uh, also, her with her bicycle and the way she rings it made me think yeah. of Miss Gulch from Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yep. The woman same. who is Wizard of the Wicked Witch of Westview. Perhaps. Oh, yep. So. Yeah, I don't know. Fine. I just yeah. everything about this was put me on edge in a way that I wasn't expecting from this series, and yeah, that's all. And also in this scene, Angela says to me, and I looked at everyone, and she was right about this. Wanda is the only character that is not wearing a watch. I don't know if that's significant or not, but it feels like a choice, right? Well, there was an ad for a watch. There was in the previous episode, yes. So watches, already thinking about watches as something that have to do with something. And again, Vision has a watch. Agnes has a watch. Herb has a watch. The Doctor has a watch. Geraldine has a watch. Wanda does not have a watch on. And again, is this her aversion to time because the time stone is what led to the worst moment of her life twice? It's a, it's a DC crossover and Herb is the Clock King. Oh my gosh. Oh, and Calendar Man was hinted at in the first episode. <laughs> and she was dressed like Zatanna in the second episode. That's true. Wanda and Geraldine watch over the new babies, and Wanda mentions that she has a twin, and tells Geraldine about her brother Pietro. As Wanda sings a lullaby to Tommy and Billy, her cheerful housewife attitude turns into distant sadness. The mention of the name causes a slow change in Geraldine's demeanor. When she says to Wanda, he was killed by Ultron, wasn't he? Wanda turns serious and asks, what did you say? As Wanda starts to interrogate her, uh, Geraldine returns to her bubbly sitcom character and isn't able to recall what she said about Pietro. Wanda's disposition turns dark as she demands answers and tells Geraldine she should leave. Was it that she couldn't recall or that she just was like, JK, I didn't need that? Couldn't or didn't want to, we don't know yet. I think it's didn't want to because of how she acts after she like drops the act at the very end. Possibly. I, I didn't think so, but that's possible. I also, I love that her accent comes back in this scene. Wanda's yes. Accent. Yes. I meant to put that in there. All of a sudden she starts speaking in the accent again. Yeah, for she the first starts time doing the like cutesy, like housewife mm-hmm. voice that people did in these sitcoms. It's kind of yep. scary. <laughs> yes. It's scary. Yes. Correct. Wanda then notices a sword necklace on Geraldine's neck. She asks Geraldine what it is, what the symbol means, and who she is, as the baby starts crying. Uh, Geraldine is unable to answer the questions as Wanda gets angrier and more threatening. Uh, Vision comes back in the house to the babies no longer crying and Wanda serenely staring into space. When he asks where Geraldine is, Wanda says she left, she had to rush home, and smiles. Uh, Chris, Robbie wrote, Is Wanda the baddie? And I want to say she is a baddie, but I don't know if she's the baddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. no, it, I, uh, there was an oversimplification, but, but yeah, it's, it's really, so let me scroll up to my notes. So, so we've established that it at least seems like she has some level of control over what's happening here. Right. And whenever something starts to be a crack in that facade, uh, she takes care of it, whether it's rewinding when the beekeeper shows up, uh, rewinding time when Vision starts to catch on, or uh, the yeeting of Geraldine. Um, <laughs> the yeeting of Geraldine. That should be a podcast. A, 
episode. That's a, it's a it's a very famous por- uh, painting. That's a Michigan Chillers novel. <laughs> <laughs> the yeeting of Geraldine. You've heard of the defenestration of Prague. This is the yeeting of Geraldine. Um, but yeah, uh, so Sword is involved in some way. Whether they're just observing her, are they running this experiment? Are they trying to rescue her? The fact that in the last episode they're saying Wanda, who's doing this to you? I think that. That's a clue that maybe Sword is trying to pull her out of this in some way. Is the answer to who's doing this to you, I'm doing it to myself because I like this. This is the life I want and damn it, I'm going to have it. I, uh, I was denied these things before and I will have them now. Herb and even Agnes seem scared. Is that an act from one or both of them? I don't know. The, uh, what does Agnes know? Whose side is she on? Is she a third agent? And then this and Bailey, I think this is... Uh, kind of ends up leading into a point that you were you were making as well that we know that Wanda's going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and I assumed it was going to be a cool team up but is Wanda being set up to be the antagonist or or at least some kind of threat to the multiverse that Doctor Strange has to has to bring her, you know save her in some way in that movie I I hope that she could be saved because I'm starting to really like Wanda after watching this show and I would like to see more of her. It is not unprecedented, as we've seen like through House of M and Avengers Disassembled, for Wanda to take on an antagonistic role. She was she was introduced as a villain, uh, both in Age of Ultron and in the comics. She was originally part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants before she was an Avenger. So, so that is definitely a side of the character they can they can explore. And I hope that she can be brought back to being a hero someday. But maybe that's a story that will be told on film. And this is setting her up as some kind of phenomenally powerful cosmic threat that Doctor Strange has to has to take care of somehow. Yes. We talked about how Doctor Strange and Wanda both end up getting used as characters in a lot of their mediums as you two are both too powerful. You need to go and handle this deus ex machina thing, right? So if they're adversaries in that film, they could actually do things instead of just being in the background holding up a waterfall. Yeah, that makes sense. Of all the characters that have been introduced so far, she is the one that is a match for his powers. Right. Mm -hmm. And is maybe more dangerous because Doctor Strange, we have now seen, has a mastery over the mystic arts. Wanda seems to still be learning about what powers she has. She has one of the best moments in Infinity War when she's holding off Thanos and destroying the Mind Stone at the same time, which we know is also taking a huge emotional toll on her because it is killing her love. So we know how powerful she is. I think she's the only one also, like, you know, you can make an argument that Captain Marvel's the most powerful, but I think Wanda might might beat her in that as well. Bailey, what were you, you saying? Yeah, if this theory is true, the only thing that would like bum me out is like I wouldn't see there being a second season to this show. Like I feel like it would be setting up something for Doctor Strange and then yeah. that's that. Like I don't know how they could go back to this little simulation thingy. Do any of the shows have planned second seasons? I thought they were supposed to be all one-shot type seasons. I've heard a rumor that they might be working on a second season for Loki. So it looks like... And Feige's kind of said that it's 
going to be a mix of whatever works. Some of them are going to be just one-off limited series. Some of them might return in some form down the line. Yeah, to, to make the Twin Peaks comparison again, it does feel like if this is going to have a second season, it's going to have to be like Twin Peaks, where the second season is something completely different. Like, using the same characters, but it is a completely different thing. Yeah, and I, I would be sad if they if they dropped the whole WandaVision kind of TV fun yeah. thing that's going on. Is this the only show that directly, like, leads into the movies, though? Like, are the Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier shows their own thing? They've said that they will all connect in some way. This is, this is one of the ones that has one of the biggest tie-ins we know not only with Doctor Strange, but we also know that Monica is going to be in Captain Marvel 2. Because she's Captain Marvel 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Um, you know what's interesting to me about this possibly setting her up as a villain thing is when she yeets Geraldine out of whatever this is, when the yeeting of Geraldine happens, when she if Geraldine out. Wanda... There's, there's, there's like two scenarios here. If Wanda is fully aware of the surroundings and she knows that she's creating this magical whatever it is, then she knows that all she did was boot Geraldine out of, out of it, right? She just said, get out of my fantasy. If she does not know that she is in a fantasy, did she straight up murder Geraldine? Because she's not in the house anymore. Like, did she... Does she think she killed Geraldine for asking too many questions? I th- I, think I think that's entirely possible. Mm. Really, I think Wanda knows what she's doing. So I think in that moment, well, that's she why does. I, that's why I said, does she know? Doesn't she know? If she does know, it's she just said, get out. So this is my see, shit. Get out. So we see in Disassembled in House of M that if someone threatens her made up reality, she turns violent on them. She doesn't want that. Is that broken? That happens to Hawkeye, right? Like, she basically just disappears Hawkeye from existence? Am I making that up? Some, Hawkeye, I think, got crushed by something. Okay. I, I don't know, but but maybe that happens later in House of M, and I just haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, she yells at Charles Xavier about it. But, uh, no, I think, again, I, I don't, I wouldn't put much money on this, but my current theory is, in that moment, she does know what she's doing to Geraldine. Um, and that she is somewhat maybe entirely or partly willingly creating this fantasy world um and so it's her choice that she is not aware of what's happening um Mm -hmm. and that in that moment she became aware got rid of geraldine and went back to her fantasy uh but it could also be possible that she thought she was killing her and fortunately for monica she didn't kill her the aspect ratio transitions back to widescreen and the camera cuts to the Welcome to Westview sign in front of a small suburb surrounded by concrete barriers and spotlights. A pixelated portal appears above the sign, and Geraldine goes flying out and uh, falls to the ground. The monkey's daydream believer starts playing as the helicopter circles and military units from a nearby camp descend on Geraldine. This is in the one background. Of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, that's one of my favorite needle <laughs> drops I've ever heard in anything. Like, that was... Such a great use of the song. And didn't think about this until right about now. One of the most famous Brady Bunch plots was Davy Jones dating uh, Marsha. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Monkey is also a sitcom. Keep going. It's also the dance that Johnny Bravo does. In the background, a pixelated field can be seen over Westview. 
Adrian Believer continues to play over the credits. This is also the only episode that didn't have an in-universe episode ending so far. The other ones had, you know, the iris in at the end. This one, we're back in the real world, and that the episode of WandaVision that is happening never gets the ending, the closure that we have gotten from the last two. We once again get the longest set of credits I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, man, there are, the credits are really long. Yep. Yeah. Which I, by the way, I want to mention because I called them weird shapes last week, and I realized this week that the weird shapes in the credits are TV pixels. And so is the force field for Westview. Yeah. I'm happy we're getting a little bit more of the real world in there. Um, I think when I spoke last week, and maybe this answers a little bit of uh, the email that we got earlier. When I spoke last week, I was mostly saying I wanted just a little more of the mystery to be embedded in the episode, just a little bit. And I think this episode delivered on that. It was mm. it was still a sitcom episode, but there was just a little more of the overarching mystery and everything happening in there um, that it was perfect for me. Like, I really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it a lot more, actually, than the first two because it had just a little more of that of that plot mixed in, which is, what I think, kind of what I was here for from the beginning. Um, not that there's anything wrong with a Wanda Envision sitcom, but maybe I'll make Robbie angry when I say a just sitcom episode can never be more than like an eight because it's just a sitcom. Like, unless we're talking some of the great sitcom episodes, like the one where Will's dad uh, is supposed to take him on the trip and leaves. Like that's like a, like a nine or 10 out of 10 sitcom episode. But for the most part, sitcoms are like, they're sitcoms, right? Like they're good, but they're not like, incredible yeah it's not that deep right exactly it's not that deep which i think is the point um and so i think that's where i kind of found friction in the first two which wasn't necessarily friction at all it was just that they were okay uh but it, it needs a little bit more oomph and i think this episode had it possibly we could disagree a little bit i i i think that it's they they've increased the weirdness and fourth wall breaking in each episode because uh, like the first one with the exception of you know vision trying to figure out what his job is but that is played off entirely as jokes even though we know that it's something a little bit deeper but then it's not but then you get the dinner party scene and that's when it's like hang on something dark is going on here and then the ending the next episode there's more than, a little bit more that happens throughout the episode the helicopter the blood geraldine not really knowing who she is all that the the radio and and the ending of that as well uh it's like okay they're threading in a little bit more of the weirdness and then this episode really takes it to the like it's a sitcom but throughout the entire episode it is very much reminding you that something is amiss and they're getting more and more in tune to it so so i really like the progression it's like a crescendo of weirdness going along with the sitcom not dropping the sitcom conceit either you know, keeping that as part of the uh, as part of the show, uh, you know, at the very fabric of the show. But it's I, I think that the pacing of it has of increasing the weirdness to sitcom ratio has been for me, at least it's been it's been good. But I but I totally understand your, how much you enjoy the sitcom stuff is going to necessarily impact your enjoyment of right. what the show is doing. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I have almost the opposite reaction, although it's not that I, I'm negative on where the show is going. I do. I think I like where the show is going. Um, but in terms of like 
individual episodes, I really liked the sitcom homage that the first two were. Um, and so it's not so much that I'm sad that the show is going to the real world because ultimately that's important, I think, to the larger arc of the, of the season. But I did like that. I, I, I am sort of um, kind of like when you have a really good sandwich and you finish it and you miss that sandwich. Um, I, I kind of miss that we are moving on, I think, from the the really, really dedicated sitcom homagery of the first, which may not be a word, but I don't care, of the first couple episodes. Um, oh, it's like when the last bite of sandwich is mostly bread. It's like, oh, it's good, but, you know, I miss the sandwichy part. Right. So so I'm not upset with the direction. I have no problem at all with the direction where we've gone through these three episodes. It's just I did like that that format of the first couple episodes. I agree that if we get to a point where it is only like 30% sitcom homage right. in an episode, I will be sad. Yes. I will miss. Yes. Same. I will be sad that they're not balancing it. And I can be sad. I would love for it to be weirdness while the sitcom is happening. And That's I, what I want. And I can be sad while still thinking the greater picture is still in good shape. Mm-hmm. You know, something that you said, Chris, kind of made me not realize, but really made me think about why the first ones didn't hit so hard for me. And I think it's something that Robbie also said. It's because I watched the trailer. At the end of the trailer, what did we know? We knew that there was a sitcom and there was weird stuff going on. And what does mm-hmm. the first episode tell us? That they're in a sitcom and that there's weird stuff going on. So at the end of the yeah. first episode, I was like, this didn't tell me anything different than what the trailer did. It was a fun episode. But I am at the exact same point that I at the end of this episode that I am when I started the episode, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And maybe if I hadn't watched the trailer, I would have been like, "Ooh, look at this fun mystery." But at the end of it, I was like, "This is all we already knew." Like, what? Yeah. I listened to a podcast. It's a Ringer podcast. A lot of the takes are are bad, but they um, brought up (laughs) they brought up that the first two episodes would have really like hit different if they only released one at a time like they were like it's good that they were both released and you kind of look at them together and i think i definitely would have enjoyed the show less if all they gave me was the first episode at the beginning because i would have been like well this was cute like i thought the first episode was super cute and it got really like creepy with the twilight zone stuff but like i was like i don't know i need more and i think episode three is more what i was looking for are we that bad podcast? Because we said that. <laughs> I didn't listen to your whole episode. I, I'm still working on it. Oh, no. Okay. She was expressing a bad podcast making a good point. Like, like yeah, there's a squirrel outside my window oh. right now. Okay. That's a good point. I, I agree that, and I think we said this last week, it was a definitely a deliberate choice that they said, we're going to release the first two episodes. Because I think the second episode gives you more of a sense of something going on than just the first episode. Yeah. And I think the reaction to if it had just been the first episode would have been, wow, that was short. What the hell happened? By releasing both episodes, like, okay, we got our, uh, you prime yourself where it's just going to be one episode from here on out. Uh, and we know they're going to be shorter episodes and you have a greater sense that there is a larger story at play as opposed to just, well, that was weird. It also follows another sitcom trope of the opener or the closer of a season, sometimes both, being an hour long instead of 30 minutes. That's true. That is very true. That uh, That is definitely like in, you know, definitely since the year 2000 or so, a lot of times season premieres or finales have been two episodes mashed together. You're, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about that. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, that's a good point. 
so what do we think? What do we think in as far as predictions uh, for the future? I know we've talked a lot about it so far, but Bailey, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, well, Chris basically said this, but I think this is like a villain origin story for Wanda. Um, I don't really have a good sense of like what's going on right now. And I'm just a guest. So I'm just saying my whole prediction for the whole show. I think it's just going to end up with like, some shit going down in like the last episode and it's not going to be a fun and happy sitcom. I think it'll probably be sad. Um, but I don't know if I really can't tell what's in her head and what's not. So like, I don't know if it's that like she's imagining these kids and then she'll be sad when eventually it all is fake or if they're like taken from her at some point. But I think there will be something about her really going off the rails near the end and that'll lead into Doctor Strange um, and I think they're going to continue to like play with themes with like grief and sadness because we got like a taste of that um, in this episode and like it's when like her like sadness and grief like came up in her head that she kind of like broke character um, so I think we'll get more of that. Peach what do you think? Yeah overall um, as I said earlier, it's just more confusion after this one. Uh, it's it's tough for me to try to speculate what's going on because I was just more confused after this one, which might not be a bad thing. Um, I can buy into the Wanda being a villain thing. I can buy into the origin story. Um, I kind of, in a way, hope that if we do go that route, she doesn't end the series as a villain. Like, maybe for a few episodes she's like going a little going a little hog wild and then maybe they find a way to like bring it back do we know how many episodes there are is this like a four nine. nine nine yeah i'm not saying no in german i'm saying there are nine episodes um thanks for clarifying <laughs> yeah. so, so i can but i can see it because every not maybe not every but a lot of the characters that we've had in the mcu so far that have had a duality like a duality in storylines that sometimes are a villain and sometimes are a hero and they go back and forth we've seen that in a lot of characters we've seen that in the winter soldier uh we've seen it in um like already we've seen it in scarlet witch where she started as a bad guy and now she's a good guy um so we know that they do sometimes directly parallel the stories that already existed and if they really wanted to parallel some of these more villainous wanda stories this would be a good lead into it so i think it's a solid theory uh i personally hope that she doesn't become like a major villain major villain because i don't want her to end up like dying um but i don't know i Fitting it into the second Doctor Strange or the, the second Doctor Strange movie uh, makes it more believable. So I guess we'll see. I don't think she'll die. I mean, based on nothing. That's just me. What yeah, yeah. I hope that. But I feel like they're just setting it up for us to like understand why she went the route she did if she does become a villain. And then we're going to be all sympathetic and be like, well, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. People love a redemption story. So yeah what do you think chris um oh yeah, i kind of talked about most of the stuff that we're speculating for the future earlier um i'm just kind of my hope for the future is that as we continue along with the sitcoms i hadn't really thought of this before we'd gotten up to full house possibly with the 90s but going beyond that i would love for them to do like a modern family type pastiche where 
they're actually sitting down and talking to the camera for interviews because I just think it'd be real funny to see Vision sitting there going, I don't understand what Wanda's doing. And Billy and Tommy have been bad at school or I don't know, <laughs> you know, and having having them really break the fourth wall like that, I think could be a lot of fun. What about you, Robbie? Oh, uh, yeah, I kind of said, I, don't, I think this episode was on its own less enjoyable than the previous two, um, partly because it didn't stand alone, but it also at the same time made me even more excited about the series going forward because of you know, sort of the cliffhangers and the hints. Um, I, it's obvious that Wanda's controlling this. I just, I'm wondering if these people are slaves or participants, if she's being controlled on her own. So Bailey and, and Peaches bring up the idea of this being a villain origin story, which hadn't quite crossed my mind. And I suppose that's possible, although I don't really think they're going to turn Wanda into a straight up villain. Um, I think something is manipulating her to this end and maybe that will continue on into uh multiverse of madness i'm not sure or agnes is the bad guy in multiverse of madness i don't know um but i i would love to see Catherine Hahn as a big screen marvel villain <laughs> you already did that'd be amazing you already have dr octopus uh oh right <laughs> that's true yeah um but so I, I, what I think is more going on is she's in a very fragile state from her, you know, losing four years of her life and the love of her life and her brother in pretty short periods of time. Um, and someone is manipulating her intense power to this goal. Um, well, we'll see who that person is if, if I'm even right. So I don't necessarily think villain origin story, but I do think that she is being somehow pushed into making something uh dangerous um and and manipulating these people but i'm really wondering like do they have some awareness of what's going on or not um and uh oh and, and then something i think was important was that monica is still wearing her 70s outfit when she's ejected from westview which means that this isn't a projection this is actual reality being changed unless monica changed her clothes um which i i don't think is what happened uh, they are experiencing the physical reality instead of just a a, a Wanda filter over their lives. Um, like a yes, you did once. Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm gonna call it. I don't. Do we know what the next episode is? What what sitcom we're gonna be referencing next episode? Because I'm gonna go nope. with I'm gonna go with Family Ties is my prediction. Um, Eduardo. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm, I agree with Bailey. I think this is a villain origin story for Wanda. I think just because Wanda is a villain doesn't necessarily mean she's a bad person. And I think the most well-developed villains have uh, motives that you can sort of agree with, right? And I think it's... A, just because she's bad guy does not mean she's bad guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, like, that's... That's kind of where I'm at. I think that that that's a that's a really interesting theory. I also think more and more that the people that are in there and that the people that are outside are not the same group of people. Like at first, I thought they were all um, sword agents and they were helping her, and now I feel like Wanda created this bubble, and then Sword is the one that set up the perimeter outside yeah. the bubble to help. But like the people inside and the people outside are not the same people. They are different groups. Yeah, I think you're probably right. 
I forgot to share a theory I read on Twitter that is a stretch. Um, Multiverse of Madness, the acronym is MOM. The baby. The baby. The baby. The baby. (laughs) For the children. (laughs) For the children. Oh my god. Now this is Other M2. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, what are we going to rate this? Robbie, let's start with you. What are you going to give episode three of WandaVision? I am giving ever episode three seven AstroTurf lawns out of ten. Uh, how about you, Peach? Uh, I quickly changed my rating system a few moments ago to eight surveillance storks out of ten. <laughs> Go for it, Chris. I gave it eight proud papayas. <laughs> Out of ten. A pun that does not work when you say it out loud at all. Uh, what about you, Eduardo? I gave it eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> Is that do you stop on the second or do you start at the second who? You start it's all one. Your it's a one. And then you do that eight and a half times. Yeah, do you, the half oh. is, it's, or is it's, it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the half is an angry cat. <laughs> Bailey? I give it eight and a half strategically placed fruit bowls out of ten. <laughs> Boy! That's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required and MCU Retrospective. Join us next week as we talk all about episode four of WandaVision. But if you want to email the show and tell us all uh, of your opinions about what we've said, whether you think we are right or wrong, email the show, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to see us on Twitter, at assemblycast on Twitter. All of us individually can be found, ABCD Eduardo 1, GatorSax2010, BillKid3, D underscore Peaches, at Baileykins. No, I changed it. You didn't notice? Jesus! I can't keep up with this! I finally got it right and you changed it? It's Brayley Sanchez. At Brayley Sanchez, oh. apparently. Okay. I'm a professional now. Oh, yeah. Professional Brayley. Got it. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for all of us. Homie, I'm professional. <laughs> Sorry. That's going to do it for all of us here on the podcast. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Boobly, boobly. Professional Braley. <laughs> Are you going to do ASMR? Did you ever watch Mork and Mindy? Yes, quite a bit. The internet said that there were references to it in this show, but I didn't really... Yeah, but I felt like they were a stretch. Yeah. Did you go to the Den of Geek article? I did. And then I tried to look for other sources. Nino, Nino. Nano, Nano. Mork and Mindy was weird. Bailey, do you know what show Mork started on? No. Happy Days. Oh. I never watched that, but that, like, uh... You watch Happy Days? No, why would I watch it?
because it's actually good. <laughs> that like commercial. Do you remember the like uh, commercial that would be before like Nick like <clears throat> videos and they had the like Happy Days song? Mm-hmm. No. It's very specific, but it was in front of like every Nick VHS from like the nineties. I'm gonna find it. Why would I have had Nick VHSs? Yeah, I had Eduardo VHSs. <laughs> <laughs> I had Justin VHS. My uh it's not really my happy day story, but whenever anyone brings up happy days and spin-offs, because happy days had a couple spin-offs. Jonah Love Chachi was a happy day spin-off. Jonah right? Loves Chachi, yes. And then, and then Mork and Mindy, which is the weirdest thing to be a Happy Days spinoff, but it is correct. <laughs> um, but Happy Days was itself a spinoff. There was an anthology series called Love American, Love American Style. Style. And when I was a kid, we went to Universal Studios, and at CityWalk, they were doing some kind of trivia thing. Out, you know, like those big stairs next to the Universal store. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're really big stairs anymore now. I forget like how much they've redecorated, but they they had a stage set up and they're doing TV trivia, and they the question was what was Happy Days a spinoff of? And my mom raised her. My mom is a big pop culture TV fan, and she says Love American Style, and they said wrong, and she goes Excuse me, <laughs> and they said it was a spinoff of American Graffiti. Robbie, Robbie, you look properly appalled by this. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yes, it was set in the fifties. Yes, Ron Howard was in it, but that's where the similarities end. Right. There was a backdoor pilot called "Love in the Happy Days" on Love American Style, yep. and that's where Happy Days comes from. Yep, I'd like to be a backdoor pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you killed me! <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh yes, it recorded. <laughs> looking at your, looking at your, looking at your laugh on Zencaster, just take up the whole fucking. <laughs> vertical set of space. <laughs> Angela just texted me WTF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to step away for a minute. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs>